0: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander.
1: Enjoy your stay.
0: Hey guys and gals, you're listening to another episode of the Command Zone. I'm Jimmy Wong.
1: How is it? I'm Josh Lee Kwai.
0: And today we've got a really fun show for you guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Nekusar slash
1: Chromat, which is a general that a lot of you have requested. And Yeah, a whole bunch of people have asked about Nekusar and... Um... Well, we're gonna combine it with Chromap because well, we'll explain it later. Yeah, exactly. Lots of
0: fun <laughs> reasons why this deck is the way it is, um, and also we're gonna be discussing Josh and I's top
1: ten artifact lists for ADH. Yeah, this is really interesting. What Jimmy and I did is um, we each separately made a list of what we think the top ten artifacts are that should go in you know almost every deck. We made the list without talking to each other, without consulting each other, and then now we're gonna compare our lists and sort of you know talk out why we made our choices and. Uh, And yeah, we've never seen each other's lists yet, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see what you put as number one.
0: Uh, Yeah, I just put... uh, It's probably Blightsteel
1: Colossus. (laughs) Actually, that was all the 10
0: of them. (laughs) From 10 to 1 was just Blightsteel Colossus. I don't think another artifact exists. Uh, So the first thing that we want to talk about, though, is uh, if you guys don't know, this show is also online on... In video format so you can watch along with us and see the cards as they come as we talk about them so you don't have to um you know if you're not driving or whatever and just you can have a,
1: vi- a video open and see all the cards as they come along yeah don't um watch the video while you're driving we <laughs> promote don't. safe and healthy uh practice in you know while you're living your life and and uh, watching video while driving don't do that. Yeah, never do that. Uh, and so you can see all that
0: stuff at rocketjump.com, which is where we host the podcast, along with our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, which is hosted by our friend Alex Kessler, who's been on the show before. And it's basically a show that discusses modern and the form of the modern, how it's changing, how it's you know being affected by the new sets
1: coming out, and the meta of that. Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed that show uh, more than I thought I would. Uh, modern is. Pretty close to EDH in a lot of ways, yeah. so and a lot of things I've taken and applied to EDH. You know, there's a lot of lessons learned, and the other host is a guy named Glenn Jones who um, has a lot of uh, Magic experience, competitive oh, yeah. Magic experience, and the way that those guys think about the game competitively uh, can really up your game. It can really they give you some good
0: level up moments. Yeah. Every time I talk to them, I always learn something new or at least I always have a question that I'm like, oh, they can answer this for me because I don't really know who else to ask this very specific magic question about competitive play to.
1: And also we're looking at some pretty cool stuff right here. What do we got here? I got this um, Garrick Wildspeaker. It's kind of like a it's by Funko. It's like a bobblehead doll thing, mini cute version a pop of Garrick. Magic.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's the line of uh, Planeswalkers that Funko Pop is made, uh, which we received very graciously from the heads of social over at WotC Wizards of the Coast. So thank you, Sean and Allison, for hooking us up. And as a result, we're going to hook you guys up too. Get ready to win some awesome prizes. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, I want to sing a theme song or something there. I liked the start <laughs> of your theme song.
1: Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? no pop magic i don't know how it goes after that
0: (laughs) um so if you guys follow us on twitter at command cast and at josh lee kwai and at jf wong we'll be announcing when we're giving away stuff and we've got a good good amount of stuff to give away yeah we've got
1: some booster packs um play mats yeah yeah we've got some some cool stuff so yeah follow us on twitter over the next couple of weeks we're going to be tweeting out some stuff um for a chance to win awesome prizes <laughs> <The> <laughs> <awesome-est> <laughs> prizes! <laughs> okay. come on down guys you could be the oh that's new- what that was yeah that's what was the, I was the price is right song. price is right i yeah. was just- yeah wow
0: it's okay we can't actually sing it because copyright or something i don't know who knows don't tell uh, drew carey don't tell drew or bob uh anyway yeah follow us on twitter <laughs> hard and to tell bob <laughs> i know oh. uh and you could potentially win something really sweet um and considering that the twitter f- on uh the command cast twitter i think only has something over 150 or so followers your percentage chance
1: of winning something is pretty good
0: really good really good uh, better you know you're better off spending your time sending a free tweet than buying a five dollar lotto ticket i just say that much
1: Magic players don't buy a lot of tickets, dude. We buy booster
0: packs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can win booster packs too. So you don't yeah, even have to exactly. do that. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So get things for free. Follow us at Command Cast and uh, you'll get hooked up there. Cool. So
1: you want to um, launch right into it? Yeah. I mean, th- I think we should talk about what our criteria was right. really yeah. quickly. So we made a couple of uh, stipulations. So we were pretty sure that we would both have the same number one if we didn't outlaw two specific cards. So. Yeah. The cards we said couldn't be on the list were Soul Ring and Sensei's Divining Top, because they're just pretty much universally recognized as the two best artifacts. Soul Ring is like universally recognized as possibly the most powerful Magic card ever. Yeah, um, outside of the Black Lotus. Of yeah, course. even some people would argue that it is more powerful than Black Lotus because you can keep having it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's just a gimme at number one. It's also included in all the pre built Commander decks. Yeah. So. Wizard but if you don't it. have Soul Ring in your deck, like, put it in there. Literally, yeah. every single deck is better with that card. And yeah. Sensei's Dividing Top is only, like, a half step below that as far as, like, 99% of Commander decks. If you Should can run. afford it. I mean, it's not a super cheap card. Um, so, so you want that. And the other stipulation we made is we wanted to keep... We didn't want to talk about a bunch of really expensive cards. Yeah. Not fun. So, yeah. So, like... And plus, I don't own half of them, so. There's one you do own that would normally be on the list, though.
0: Yes, and that card is called Mana Crypt, um, which is an amazing card for giving you a ton of mana. With a, If you own it, put it
1: in your deck. Yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I found a cheap copy because it wasn't an English copy, and it was pretty beat up or whatever. So, like, I, you know. Yeah, because Jimmy's straight baller. Yeah, I'm straight baller. I got to live in the crypt to get my three <laughs> mana. Don't care about that negligible three life loss. Who cares? I'll don't flip care that coin. That $200 flip... dollar price tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, much less, fortunately, I got it for much less than that. Um, but yeah, Do so we want to read it really quick. Um, yeah, sure. Let's read out. Um, so mana crypt is a card I think it was a, it was a book promo. That's why it's like really yeah, hard, to, hard get. to get. It, because... It's also a judge foil now. Um, and it's pretty simple and pretty broken. It's zero mana cost. And it says it's an artifact during your upkeep flip a coin opponent calls heads or tails. And then if the flip ends up in their favor, it, mana crypt does three damage to you. So that's the downside is every upkeep you have to gamble three life potentially. Uh, but the upside is that you can tap it to add two colorless mana to your mana pool. And it's so, a zero cost artifact. It's, so
1: it's like a Moxin. Yeah. That's for two colorless instead of only one mana of color. And exactly. The downside is that 50% of the time you take three damage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, this is a card. It's
0: amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And especially with 40 life. And this is a card I put in my Marchesa deck because you don't want to be the person with the most life anyway. So Yeah, good point. And anyway, like I've seen
1: you play it and, like, you know six turns in a row, you don't actually, you win the flip and it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, exactly. Happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so cards like Mana Crypt, really expensive cards, basically we said anything $25 or less would be allowable for our top 10 list. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm just going to talk about the criteria I used and mm-hmm. then you can talk about the criteria you used to to rank everything because we didn't actually discuss how we would rank it. We just said, you do your top 10, I'll mm-hmm. do my top 10, then we'll compare. Yep. So the criteria I used was uh, total mana cost. Mm-hmm um so really expensive stuff that does awesome things like it's just naturally less powerful because you know there's just less opportunity to play it i mean in commander we 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 have more mana in general but still anything that costs seven eight nine six yeah is just like eh, it's getting pretty risky it's on the edge of it yeah, yeah. it's sometimes you can't even play it at all so mm-hmm. you know i would knock it down points depending on mana cost or bump it up depending on yeah. uh how useful it is in a multitude of decks and colors so the good thing about artifacts in edh is you know we've talked about mana um the the color pie before and how certain colors are good at certain things and they're bad at certain things and artifacts are the one way you can sort of overcome the disadvantages of Mm -hmm. your color i mean jimmy you know this playing red yeah you have to use certain artifacts in that deck otherwise you're never going to be
0: able to draw as efficiently as a blue deck say
1: yeah exactly because red doesn't have card draw traditionally yeah yeah. they've started to add it a little bit in, in in red's own way but you know, if you're building a your commander deck, you need card draw. And so you usually have, if you're mono-red, you have to go to mm-hmm. uh, artifacts to do that. Green has problems drawing cards. White's not super great at it either. So, you know, that's just one example. So I would bump it up on my list. I would give it a few extra points if yeah. uh, it had a use that covered a color's weakness or a couple of color's weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. The other criteria, uh, we've talked about quadrant theory when Marshall was on, uh, I thought about, you know, how does the card do when you're in the developing stage of the game, when you're at parity, when you're ahead and when you're behind. So if it hit more quadrants, uh, then it would get bumped up on my list a little bit. That's, Mm -hmm. that's pretty standard. And the last thing I, I thought about was does the card either enable or combat a strategy that's pretty prevalent in EDH? So like... You know, a lot of token decks in EDH, a lot of Voltron decks in EDH. In EDH, you see a lot of board wipes. So does the artifact deal with those things that you see all the time uh, well? So that was sort of my main criteria for how I ranked them. Do you want to talk about how you rank yours?
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, definitely fell under the same sort of stuff. Quadrant theory I didn't use as much just because a lot of these um, I sort of saw in the vacuum. And just in general, like the more powerful it is without even thinking about what board, like, because some of these are just great, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of these aren't as great in developing or whatever. Like uh, a certain number of the cards that, requ- that fulfill, in my mind, a certain like needs to be good at this is only good in like sort of two of the quadrants of the theory. Of mm-hmm. the Which there. is okay because just some quadrants fine, yeah. are actually
1: more important than others.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and EDH EDH skews everything a little bit as well. Um, and the big yeah, the big thing I I also did was like how good is this in the deck that doesn't necessarily need to build around that ability. Because mm-hmm. some of these cards in certain decks would be, a, you know, beyond a 10 out of 10, would be like a 12 out of 10. Right. In other decks, this card is still amazing, but it might just be a 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. So... I tried Only to see a nine. Only a nine, right, yeah. <laughs> it's still pretty good, I think. Uh, so, I mean, it depended on, you know, like because not all these cards are going to work in every deck, but I wanted to find the most universal out of all of them.
1: Right, you didn't want one that was only good in one kind of deck yeah, exactly. and, and it totaled zero in everything else. Yeah, then, yeah it's tough to make. Those. The last thing I should say is that I, I tried to keep my list diverse. So, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't have a bunch of cards, a bunch of artifacts that, that did, did the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah I, um, you know, there's going to be a little bit of overlap, but in general, like, If I picked an equipment, I didn't pick, you know, I didn't want to put four equipment on the list. Like, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to pick what I thought was the best equipment. So Yeah, definitely. uh, Okay, so you want to read? That's the drum (laughs) roll. I would tap the table, but it would mess up the mic like crazy. Okay, Um, so do you want to read number 10? You want to go first? Yeah,
0: my number 10 is a little artifact equipment. Oh, that's the other thing. Um, I tried to have a good balance between creatures, artifact equipment, and just artifacts as well because there are many different kinds of artifacts. Uh, so the first um, equipment that I said was number 10 on my list is Skull Clamp.
1: Skull Clamp. Skull so Clamp. powerful. It's
0: a one-drop artifact equipment, and it just says, Equipped creature gets plus one, minus one. It has an equip cost of one also. Uh, and also, when equipped creature is put into a graveyard, draw two cards. Two cards.
1: Skull Clamp. Two cards. Two cards. Let's just pause there really quick. <laughs> two cards. Yep. That's what makes it crazy. I think if it was one card, it wouldn't be so broken. No, definitely not.
0: Two cards is out of control, especially because uh, one of the biggest kinds of decks you'll see in EDH pretty often is like a token deck. Yeah. And tokens are one-ones. So you do what I like to call just clamping, where during your first or second main phase, you just equip it to one of your tokens that you have like a thousand of. He dies, you draw two cards. Another mana equipped to another token, yeah.
1: It's one mana to equip, so you just bounce yeah. it from creature to creature. They die when because they're one ones, yeah. Because you it's draw like seven minus f- one, seven. so yeah, turns you can only in. draw an even number of cards with both <laughs> mana, so it's not seven, Josh. Good. it's uh,
0: 14, twice the number. Of, <laughs> you, you you clamp seven people to draw four 14 cards, right, That's what
1: I meant, totally. yeah.
0: Uh, and this is saved my butt in a number of circumstances where it's like, okay, well, all of a sudden someone to my right has done something and it requires that I get an answer. I don't have a tutor in hand. So it looks like some of my tokens are just going to have to go. Yeah, but you if you're going to lose
1: otherwise, so
0: what? Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. And you're clamping for one mana for two cards, essentially, is how I see it. So it's like, it's
1: this card that has extreme diverse uses, and you're almost always going to have a target for it. Um, Even and- if you don't have a creature that only has one uh, mm-hmm. toughness, if you have a sacrifice outlet out, then you can put it on that and use your sack outlet. Yeah. Uh, there's a million ways to do it. Also, it makes people not want to attack you. They don't want to kill a yeah. thing with it. Like, it's not to mention, you can useful. usually generate more mana by sacking whatever it is you're killing.
0: So you can do this on an infinite loop as long as you have the creatures to put this onto. Yep. yep. Uh, so skull clamp is a is a card that I can see being used in almost every deck. Even if it's like, hey, I'm going to put this on someone and then swing in at someone mm-hmm. just because I don't want the, I want them to die so I can draw the cards or whatever. You know. So like, there's always an option with skull clamp. Um, and it's just it's got so much utility, so that's why it's number ten on my list. I
1: do agree with you. I actually have it a little bit higher, ah. but uh, I agree with everything you said. And yeah, it's one of the greatest uh, card draw card draw engines ever. Yeah. That's why it's banned in uh, in modern. So <laughs> anything yeah. that's banned in its in the format it should be in is probably it's probably pretty, pretty good. powerful. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my number 10 is Staff of Domination. Ah, yes. Staff of Domination is an artifact. It costs three to put out. It has a bunch of abilities. One mana, untap Staff of Domination. Two mana and tap it, you gain one life. Three mana and tap it, untap target creature. Four mana and tap it, tap target creature. Five mana and tap it, draw a card. Remember, you can always pay one mana to untap it. So it's got a whole ton of stuff. That's the thing I like about it. It has a lot of abilities. The Staff of Domination is sort of notorious for allowing a whole bunch of shenanigans, a lot of infinite combos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's an infinite combo piece and a whole ton of stuff. In fact, if you play with this card in your EDH deck, I guarantee you will accidentally find some infinite combos. <laughs> You'll be like, holy crap. I didn't even realize, but this is I'm gonna go it's infinite. It's like here it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like or I mean, I'll
0: infinitely tap down everything, or I'll infinitely do this or that. I'll infinitely draw cards yeah, or exactly. I'll infinitely
1: yeah. So it's pretty um it's pretty amazing the stuff that you can pull off with it. It's also like one of those cards I feel like is just sort of does something in every situation. It's kind of yeah. like a charm. Mm-hmm. it's like it's you know it's like the charms and cons or whatever there's just a lot they do three or four different things and yeah. you know you can al- you always sort of need at least one of them yeah and I you mean, can recur this with the staff
0: because it doesn't go away after you cast it
1: yeah exactly so it's like a charm you can just keep reusing mm-hmm.
0: um, not yeah. to mention like instant speed if you always have mana up and you're like saving it for a counter just in case but you also have the staff of domination it's like okay great at the end of the turn i can tap it for to draw a card yep. or tap it to tap down your guy or whatever yep. so like you always have an option to use unused mana if you have the staff out exactly this card is great i should probably put this in more in my decks to be honest it's got so much utility
1: yeah try it out everybody out there yeah. like try it out even if you're not sure like put it in your deck um yeah.
0: you're definitely going to be using the latter three of the abilities uh the two game, tap game, to give one life is a little yeah. marginal it's amazing
1: how often you use tap target creature just like oh i don't want that thing attacking me i'm just going to tap it like, yeah exactly it's, yeah it, it's pretty amazing how often that happens and then yeah it's amazing How often you're untapping one of your creatures, you know, it makes you scary to attack because. You have your biggest creature. You attacked with it, but they can't actually crack at you because you're going to untap your creature and block. Yeah, yeah, you know. And if then when they don't attack you, then you go sweet. Now I'll just draw a card. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there's or a... with a card like Kiki Jiki. Like oh, untapping yeah. Kiki Jiki is just like get ready for mayhem. Get ready for <laughs> yep, that, exactly. That's one of those things where if you have Kiki and the staff, there's a good chance you're going infinite pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, I
0: think you only need one more thing to make Kiki it go by infinite. himself is a good chance you're
1: going infinite. Yeah, actually.
0: Kiki and uh, there's another th- equipment called Thornbite Staff that essentially is as yep. a. An infinite combo maker as well, okay. That was number 10. Nice, okay. Number nine for me is uh, the ever valuable Gilded Lotus. Oh, yes, which is Classic. also a mainstay in almost every single one of my commander decks. The only one that is not in, I believe, is Animar because he makes his own
1: mana and value, right? You don't need <laughs> a bunch of you mana, you don't need Animar because producer, the whole point yeah. is to reduce the casting cost of everything, yeah, unless you get and also wipes. it's not a creature, so yeah, you wouldn't exactly. Want yeah, the Gilded Lotus, I think I own like seven or eight of them. Like, yep. you know, they go in basically every deck. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's some fringe cases, but 95% of decks it's in. Uh, yeah. We should read it. Yeah, um, it's a it's a five-drop artifact, and I think it's
0: the most expensive artifact I have on here as well. Um, and you tap it to add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. Um, so if you've ever had like a card that has a prohibitive casting cost of like two and three white or whatever, you can use the Gilded Lotus to like erase those worries, essentially. Yep. It's, it's an amazing card um it's
1: fixing it's ramp
0: it's got lotus in the name so you know it's going to be pretty good that's
1: pretty true actually if it it, has
0: lotus in the name it's probably awesome yeah same with like if it has phyrexian in the name chances are it's gonna be a pretty strong card (laughs) um so yeah guild lotus i think it explains itself pretty easily you just add more mana you know you, you kind of sometimes have to waste a turn playing it um but the next turn and just every turn after that the added you know ramp that you get as opposed to everyone else you get three extra mana off of this artifact
1: um and it's pretty strong and it's colorless and so. in, in a multiplayer game it's not super threatening i yeah. mean if you have a really advanced play group they might like eyeball mana ramp and know that that's like a big deal and yeah come after the people who are ramping but a lot of people will be like oh he doesn't have anything threatening on the table it's just a mana producer so yeah we'll half I'll the time him. half yeah. the time when i see it come out i'm like man i wish i had my guild right yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> half the time i think that every single time yeah yeah Okay, so my number nine is um, it's Ashnod's Altar or Phyrexian Altar. I sort of combined the two. Uh, yeah. They're basically the same. They're artifacts. They come out, and you can sacrifice a creature. And for Ashnod's Altar, you you get if you, for every creature you sac, you get two colorless mana. And for Phyrexian Altar, for every creature you sac, you get one mana of any color. Nice. So I really like these cards for two reasons. One is its ramp, like we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Two is sack outlets are just something commander decks need more of in general yep um there's all these times when like they're going to take your commander they're going to tuck it into your deck mm-hmm. or they're just going to do Shenanigans that you don't want them to do, and you can prevent it by just sacking your own creature. Yeah, you can stop effects that cards have. Like some effect, some cards say, like kill a creature and do x damage, do five damage to you or whatever. Right. If the creature got sacked first, then they didn't actually kill the creature, then you don't take the five damage. Yeah, there's no legal target for the yeah. spell. Or they are gonna um, insurrection and take your stuff and kill you with it. Well, I'll, I'll sack my stuff and I'll yeah. turn it into mana. Or they're gonna control magic your thing. Well, I'll sack it first. Yeah. You know, all kinds of reasons that you want to sack out Plus, there's a lot of games. When you have these cards out, you find all these places where it's like, "Holy crap! I only need two more mana. I can kill everybody." Yeah. Well, I don't need that that grizzly bear. Well, don't play grizzly bear. In your <laughs> tech, but you know, I don't. I don't need that. You know, this this three uh, two creature that was useful for me on turn three. Yeah. It's turn twelve, and I don't need that guy. He's not doing anything. So yeah. if I can turn him into two colorless mana, and that just gives me enough to cast my combo piece and win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, if you play EDH a lot, you know when you don't have the altars out, you're looking around and you're just going, "Man, I just need two mana and I can do this cool thing." Yeah, exactly. Or if you're like trying to cast an Eldrazi from your hand, it's yeah. like, "I got the Ashnod's Altar and three other
0: creatures. Oh, I just got half the way there to yep. you know dropping this huge bomb, and I probably have the other you know half the mana by itself or whatever."
1: Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. In so.
0: token decks, I think the altars really shine. Oh yeah, because you can just create so much mana.
1: Yeah, if you have like Earthcraft out. Yeah. And, oh, And yeah. an altar and token deck. It's like you know, all, all your tokens are also worth three mana. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got a good chance of winning. I like your chances in that game. If that yeah,
0: happens. I as long as you have and, and a skull clamp, so you can. Oh man. So you can either choose to sacrifice your creatures with a clamp. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was saying. The combos. so, so you yeah. can you can clamp someone uh you clamp
1: uh, one sacrifice another for, for the mana, two mana to equip yeah. the clamp and do and it then again if you have like yeah if
0: you have if you have the uh your your number 10 up there then you can untap kikijiki to make some more goblins true. to That's clamp true. away at so lots of good times there oh altars! oh altars! uh it's funny because my number eight were the phyrexian altar and Ashnod's altar
1: oh all right so you yeah, had a look little at higher than me yeah uh, well my number eight was skull clamp Oh, okay so,
0: perfect well we could just switch places because okay. they work really well tangentially with each other that's so. true yeah I really love the altars though um, not again this is this card that not every deck will run but chances of you running at least one of the two is mm-hmm. pretty high I think just it's always a good option to be able to sack stuff.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot there's of so there's probably a lot effects. of decks out there where you're thinking, oh, I don't need that. Yeah, but it's amazing how often it does come up in a game where it just sack the ability to sack something for no effect at all. Yeah. is actually an advantage. Yeah, and then the fact that you can get an effect out of it sometimes is what sort of pushes it into the realm of like yeah. really useful. So, and if you're
0: like playing blue or or, or a, a color that has a lot of stuff they do on other people's turns, then this increases in value because now with Phyrexian Ultra, you can get that extra two blue mana to cast, you know, yeah. a counter spell or whatever you need to do. Yeah, really good point, really good point.
1: Yeah. Okay, moving on to number seven. All right. I have this, this is a new card. Yeah? new Not New-ish. from cons, but from uh, M15. Oh, I know what it is then. I have the Soul of New Phyrexia. Yeah, Phyrexia makes its second appearance on the uh, top 10 list. <laughs> so uh the Soul of New Phyrexia is a 6-6 artifact for six, and it has an ability, you pay five colorless, and it makes all your creatures indestructible. And you can also do the thing that all the souls can do, which is you can exile it from your graveyard and make all your creatures indestructible. I should say it's indestructible until end of turn. End of turn, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: it also has trample.
1: Oh, it also has trample. (laughs) I always forget that part because I'm never thinking of a of like it as a beater, but it is. Yeah. That's one of the reasons it's really good.
0: Yeah, if it literally just was a six drop regular artifact with those same abilities, it would still make this list.
1: Yeah, it would be fine, I it think. It wouldn't be as, yeah. yeah. I mean, this
0: has a little additional, like now you can actually use it to beat down on people if it comes to it, you
1: know? But really, I'm including on the list because there are so many uh, board wipes mm-hmm. and wraths in uh, EDH. And like all the creature strategies, they need ways to protect themselves. From board wipes and from wraths. And yeah. you know, the soul of newphorexia is a great way to do it. Because even if you have to discard it or put it in your graveyard, it still works. Yeah, you still get that extra yeah. use. And in the instance where you don't need it to protect you from a board wipe, it just hits him in the face for six. Yeah. So it's a it's an amazing card. I think it's got so much potential
0: um in EDH decks. You always need that protection. Plus for five mana, it's it's pretty inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um if you know a board wipe's coming and you're playing red and you're like, Well, I can't counter it but I can sold New Phyrexia. Yep. It's like you've got you know an Avicen on a stick for much mm-hmm. less of the price as well.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it doesn't work in every deck because uh, some decks don't ha- play a lot of creatures and they don't right. care as much about board wipes. But the ones that do play creatures, they need to keep their creatures on the board very badly. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, everybody loves creatures, right? Yeah, when M15 came out, I
0: went and bought four copies immediately and put them into every deck that I was like, well, this has died to board wipes before and it screwed me over. Solve New Phyrexia. Yeah. <laughs> Solve New Phyrexia. Yeah. <laughs> Solve New yeah. Phyrexia. Yep. Um, it's also great. It's a six-drop mana. Uh, so that means you can search it out with certain cards. Um, I forget. Fabricate. I think is the one you can grab yep. with it. Yep. Um, so yeah,
1: find a creature or find an artifact. We'll go find it.
0: Which is yeah. Great. Exactly. Yeah. So that's also very nice. Plus, if like you find that you
1: need to discard a card from your hand, like toss that in the bin yeah because it's still you know, useful it's still useful, still useful. You sometimes still use you box. actually would want to do that mm-hmm. uh just because it'll actually be cheaper than paying its mana cost and then paying, and then using activating it, yeah. it yeah yeah so there's a lot of cards that have
0: additional benefits from being in your graveyard like wonder or anger and those guys so mm-hmm, those mm-hmm. are i mean they're all like when they have that extra utility and they're you're able to use them in two like more ways than one mm-hmm. i mean that's why you, your staff of domination is so powerful is because there's so many things you can do with it that's why i like it a lot um my number seven
1: was the cauldron of souls Oh. And this is actually a card that you introduced me to. Well, it's funny because that was the other card I was considering for this slot of protect right. my stuff from board wipes. Right, right.
0: Um, I actually got Soul of Nefereus on here as well, and the reason <laughs> is because I think Cauldron of Souls uh, fulfills two different things. Which is okay, so it's a five-drop artifact to start things off, mm-hmm. uh, and it says you can tap it to choose any number of target creatures. Each of those creatures gains Persist until end of turn, mm-hmm. which means that when it's put into the graveyard from play, if it had no minus one minus one counters on it, return it to play under its owner con- owner's control with one minus one minus one counter on it. So the reason I like this a lot is one, it you know if a board wipe hits, you can Choose any number of creatures and give them all persist, so they're all going to come back slightly weaker, but they're going to come back. And the reason I like this a lot more is one thing that you told me is that you can choose an opponent's
1: creatures. Yeah, you can use it as a as a group hug.
0: Yeah, you can save someone else's guy from hitting the bin or being like like oh someone just killed my general. Be like no 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 don't worry just let it go to the graveyard instead of the command zone and I will. Give it persist. Mm-hmm. So there's like lots of like fun interactions you can do with this.
1: It's um, not just group hug either. Sometimes yeah. like one player is really powerful, and it the remaining players have to team up to to beat them. Yeah, that's and a great And so call. you have to like yeah, you have to keep their stuff alive just so you have a chance at killing the guy who's on top of the hill right now. Yeah, and it's great politicking too
0: to be like, hey, look, I'll bring him back just keep me spare me as so we can go against this person together or whatever
1: it also works better than soul new phyrexia with enter the battlefield effects yeah that was my other big point
0: is like i've got a lot of decks that have a lot of enter the battlefield Mm effects cards um and so
1: being able to give them persist and then sacking them to one of my sweet sack outlets is great yeah Um, soul new phyrexia they won't die at all so they don't come back but for, with uh, Cauldron of Souls, they actually hit the graveyard and come back into play, mm-hmm. so they re you know they double up on their their ETB effects. So yeah, yeah it's super powerful on the Flicker deck, Anamar decks like that, Kiki Jiki, yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. The only reason I picked Soul over it, um, and I don't have it's funny because I introduced you to the card and I don't have <laughs> Cauldron of Souls on my list because I figured in this slot I would only have one card and I right. picked Soul just because token decks. Can't really use the Cauldron of Souls because oh, true. they all disappear. Yeah, they're negative one, negative one would all, would kill them anyway. But yes, and they when they hit, hit the graveyard, graveyard they go away. So yeah, and, and anything with one toughness, um, which a lot of decks that are making a lot of creatures, yeah, only have they're making a lot of one toughness creatures. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's the only reason I chose it. But I, I think it's a really good choice. It's funny that at number seven we both had the protect all your Creatures the protect creatures all your creatures. Card. Yeah. yeah. All right, number 6, I have Mind's Eye. Oh, one that I I like this card a lot as yeah, well. Yeah, Mind's Eye is an artifact. It just sits out there and anytime your opponent draws a card, you can pay one and you can draw a card. Yep. So, you can basically you know, if nobody's drawing extra cards, you can draw a card for you know, every opponent. Yeah. Every opponent. I mean, I guess if they do draw extra cards, if you got mana, you can draw it, too. Like, if they yeah. cast a spell that lets them draw five cards and you got five mana, you get to draw five, you get to cards, draw five cards, too. Yeah. It's pretty good. And you don't have to discard until the end of your next end
0: step, so yeah. you've got plenty of time to hopefully use those cards and put them into play. Um, Yeah, I like Mind's Eye a lot. The only thing that turned me off is that it is a five drop and yeah, you have to pay extra man on top of it, but it is an amazing card in Commander because it's like, you don't just get one opponent's turn, you
1: get multiple usually if you're playing multiplayer. I th- the thing that really bumped it up on my list is that there's, like, if you don't have blue in your deck or black, yeah, you're just pretty strapped for card draw. Um, you know, Red, especially. just yeah. it, it, Red has to have something like Mind's oh, yeah. Eye. It has to have a few idea. cards like Mind's Eye yeah. because it just doesn't have any options for drawing cards. And green has trouble. I mean, it does have some cards, but it doesn't have a great way to keep drawing a lot keep of cards. Keep drawing them, yeah. Yeah, and white also not amazing at drawing cards. So Mind's Eye is just like, it's covering, it's not doing it the most efficient way, but it's-, it's covering just, your bases. Yeah, it's allowing you to do something you wouldn't otherwise normally be able to do at all. Yeah, So definitely. the fact that it's slightly inefficient at it is like, I'll take it. Yeah. I, I agree. I think this this card is so
0: powerful. Um, just because you get to have the option, and if you don't want to pay one, then don't pay one. You know.
1: Yeah. Sure. You don't you have, don't have to. More. Yeah, that's a really good yeah. point. You don't have to draw a card every time your opponent draws a card. You yeah. draw a couple extra cards every turn. Not yeah. you know not not four or five.
0: Well, especially if you're playing against the deck that we're talking about tonight.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you don't even need Mind's Eye if you're, yeah, if you're playing exactly. against that deck. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I, I think this should and can find its way into almost every EDH deck um it's just very powerful
1: i mean if you're in blue i'd say you don't need it right blue has a lot better ways to do it but But everybody else i mean black you're gonna be able to draw cards but it's gonna cost you life so you may or may not want to do that yeah and also get ready for everyone to draw super amount of cards or off off your consecrated sphinx (laughs) (laughs)
0: like you gotta draw three this turn like so do i (laughs) (laughs) um so my number six is a an equipment called the lightning greaves oh yeah uh, two drop uncommon artifact equipment and equipped creature has haste and can't be the target of spells or abilities and here's the whammo blammo super sweet part about this card equip cost zero
1: yeah that is what sort of puts it i actually have this much higher on the list oh really i think it's the single best equipment yeah um because there's those are the two things that are the most important for voltron decks is like you get to use your creature right away and you get to protect it yeah, so giving it haste
0: and uh, it, the, the wording here is essentially shroud. Yeah, um, not hexproof because you can't even target it yourself. Right. Um, so slight
1: downside, but most of the time you don't mind.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's it's pretty baller. The fact that you can equip for zero too is like you can get this out in turn two and no one, may, hopefully, no one bats nine by the time you get your general out.
1: You don't even. Have, you can do it you can pay your full mana for your general's cost and then put it, right on. put it right on yeah also because it costs zero to equip every creature you play between now and be- before you put your general out yeah. has haste has haste yeah cuz you just throw it on there has haste mm-hmm. like that's that's actually a really underrated part like let's say you have a, a creature with a tap ability mm-hmm. you know you wouldn't normally be able to use that but now you put the 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 Greaves on it for free. And you can use the tap ability right away. How how many times have you had like, you know, you're looking at your hand and you've got something like Galena. And Galena says, you know, you tap her and you take control of target legendary creature. Um, I think it costs a mana too, but anyway. yeah. yeah. But you're thinking, if I put that on the table, it's just going to die. Yeah, everyone's
0: going to look at him and be like, uh, yeah, once it becomes his turn again, he's going to steal our stuff.
1: Yeah. Don't the thing about Galena, too, is like you get to keep the thing. It doesn't say mm-hmm. until end of turn or until she dies. Yeah, it literally says this effect doesn't end at yeah. end of turn. <laughs> you just take it. So if you could use it once, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But. You have to you're looking for this spot where you can either flash it in at the end of a turn or all this stuff. Well, Lightning yeah. Greaves allows you to just play it out, put the Greaves on, tap it, take something, yeah. say go, and even if they kill it now, it doesn't matter. You took their general. Yeah. I actually kinda wanna make a deck around Empress Galena. <laughs> She's awesome. This. She is pretty She's awesome. awesome. If you make a deck with her as a general though, people are gonna try and kill you like right off the bat. Nobody likes pretty having much. their stuff stolen.
0: No, right? Threaten effects is Threaten uh, threatened effects are way better because at least they get it back, or so they think. Or so they think. <laughs> um yeah, I, I I like Whisper Silk Cloak as well. In that this was spot. the other one I it's had. The, yeah, that's kinda like the Frexian and the national also the yeah. two opposites. And the the big difference is Whisper Silk Cloak costs two to equip. Yeah. Uh, but it's a it, huge difference. But it makes your creature unblockable. Right. So in a deck like Rafik, mm-hmm. I would want to run both.
1: Yeah, but if you could only choose one, I think you would still want the yeah, Greaves. Yeah,
0: you would choose the Greaves. Um, yeah. Because more importantly, it's you're stopping people from being able to target it. And that's the big yeah. thing that you you want to make sure that happens. Yeah, when
1: you're making a Voltron creature and so many EDH decks, like like half of EDH decks are Voltron decks or maybe more, Yeah, you know they just don't want the thing to die. Yeah. And that's the
0: most important thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's why a general like Sigarda is just so powerful because she's flying and also has hexproof. Mm-hmm. And that stops... I mean, there are so she automatically many times. has the thing that you That's, want. I yeah. mean, now
1: all she needs is haste.
0: Yeah, so many games have passed where I'm like, well, no one can kill Cigarda, so he's just going to keep putting enchantments and sweet equipment on we're her, and we're dead. We're dead. Yeah. Oh, it's like Kalia. Yeah, it's
1: perfect for for decks like that we can name a million generals you know mm-hmm. but they just want to come in not get killed and be used right away hell of a as well yeah essentially yep. being able to give haste to your general
0: is almost always important because generally haha fun uh <laughs> it's one of your win cons should most likely could be a general swing in for yeah. g- commander damage a lot
1: of times you don't even care like hell of a or kalia if they die yeah right you know as you just you need to get us one swing in because it's there when they attack effect that you're really using so. yeah exactly Okay, so moving on to number five, it's a repeat from one that you're stealing my thunder, dude. Gilded I Lotus. I have Gilded Lotus at number five. The reason I had it a little bit higher mm-hmm. is um I just really value like being able to cast my spells and you know having the fixing and the ramp part of it. Yeah. But but you know, we've all been in those games where you can't cast, you know, your awesome huge stuff. And like being able to skip turn five so that my next turn is turn eight or nine. Yeah, that's huge. very powerful, yeah. Yeah, especially if your deck is loaded on stuff that the average CMC is like six,
0: seven, eight mana, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you want to be able to cast that stuff much faster. Um, You're stealing my thunder because my number five is the Soul of New <laughs> And I put it in there because I think it does different enough stuff from the Cauldron of Souls that it is, because you can activate from a graveyard and it's only permanent you control. Um, I like the Cauldron just because it's, there's so much more politicking involved. Um, Yeah, that's true. You can't use Soul of New Phyrexia
1: on other people's stuff. Yeah. yeah. Unless they steal it. But you did have it
0: above Cauldron, so you do think it's more powerful. I do, because I think ultimately you're going to use Cauldron of Souls on your stuff more than anything else. And Soul lets you do that without having to worry about the minus one, minus one counters Mm -hmm. for for tokens or whatever. And also, uh, Soul of New Phyrexia protects all permanents.
1: Correct. Correct. Actually, yeah, we didn't talk about that, but it gets around... Armageddon. armageddon it yeah. gets around you know there's plenty of stuff that's going to kill all your artifacts shatterstorm type yeah. stuff yeah. uh kill your enchantments yeah no that's a really good point so it's got it universal just protects protection all your stuff so yeah, yeah. number four number four We're charging through this list i yeah. like it uh, <laughs> maybe this won't be a three hour long episode yeah
0: hopefully not maybe you guys will be able to listen to this in two car rides instead of eight eight car rides it took me that long to get through marshall and brian's <laughs> set review for cons. Oh, geez yeah well that yeah. was six
1: hours long yeah Okay, so my number four, I have. This is a card that, that it's funny because I use Cauldron Stills and you don't, and you mm-hmm. use Scroll Rack, and I really haven't that much. Oh, really? Uh, but Scroll Rack, I have it, number four. Yeah. So it's a two cost artifact. You pay one and tap it, and you can exile any number of cards from your hand face down, and then you draw that many cards, basically. Mm-hmm. And then you put the face down cards onto your library in whatever order you want, right? Yep. So, I mean, this is a super powerful effect. It's very much like Sensei's Divining Top. Yeah. It's card selection and card draw. Yeah. Uh, because you're setting up your future draws, you're drawing new cards, you you don't have to take your whole ha- whole hand, you can just take a couple. Yeah. You know, or you could take
0: your whole hand and draw take like your whole eight hand. cards or nine yeah. or how many cards you have in your hand at
1: that you point. You'd be like, I don't have land, I'm just gonna draw eight cards and I'll just stack the top of my deck and I can always do this again next turn. Yeah, exactly. And redraw all those cards if I want to. So it's really, really powerful. I think there's hardly a deck out there that wouldn't be better with this card in it. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you can tap it as soon as it comes, for three
0: mana you get to essentially, if you want to, recycle your entire hand for the top of your deck yep um and it's great because you can also put exactly what you want in the order you want or in a lot of cases sometimes you just don't want half the cards in your hand because right. it doesn't fit the you know whoever you're playing against so you can play a card that you know, like a fetch land will shuffle your entire library so you're essentially being like all right these cards get out of here i want yeah, fresh I don't cards. these cards at all yeah and then you can scroll rack again and you know have a whole new set of brand new cards to
1: look at and now that we all have access to fetch lands yes. scroll rack is even better yep Holy crap. Yeah, so stack... So this is great. And also you can do it at instant speed, so it's mm-hmm. like, oh man, they did something
0: and... Or a tar- it's like target opponent says like, hey, discard your entire hand. Be like, ah, uh, let me get a new hand. Yeah, because I, like I want to keep cards. this two yeah. cards. I'll put them on top of my yeah, deck, exactly. deck. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, that's awesome. Um. Yeah, and I really like Scroll Rack too because... You always need to do this in Commander. There's always yes. there's never a point where I'm like, my hand is perfect for this situation to beat these three opponents around right. me. It's like one card is good and the other of them are like some of them are usually dead draws because you just like in this certain
1: situation you don't have anything to do. Or they're just too high casting costs for right yeah, now. You exactly. know, it's like you need cards in your deck like insurrection, like Army of the Damned. Those are 9 and 10 casting cost stuff. They have huge effects, and you need them at some point in the game. But you don't want them on turn 4. Yeah. So what do you get to do? I'll just put those a little bit into the deck. I'm not going to put them on the bottom because I will need them later. Yeah. I'll just put them 4 or 5 cards down, and then, you know, when the time comes that I can actually cast it, then I'll draw it. And also, like, this helps smooth out your draws. It helps smooth out your curve. You're
0: going to have way less mana issues. Yeah, way less mana issues. Essentially, for 1 mana each turn, you get to make sure, And it's a
1: 2-drop. Yeah. The, so you can play it on turn two, and you didn't keep a hand with less than two mana, did you? No. No. Don't do that. Only if you have a scroll Rack, a divining Top, and a well, the Soul you Ring. Can, but don't keep less than two mana. <laughs> yeah, you still never. need two... Well, if you have a Soul Ring, you can keep a one mana hand.
0: Yeah, which is why it's, again, one of the <laughs> most powerful cards in Magic. <laughs> the fact that you can keep a one mana hand because you have a single artifact in there is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, scroll, scroll rack is great. Uh, also, for a lot of decks, you need to stack the top of your deck. Like when we talked about Hell of a... Um, also Narset, who's mm-hmm. a new cons card that mm-hmm. you need to be able to control what's on the top of your deck. So you know, in general, anything that kinda of does a brainstormy effect or a Jace the Mind Sculpture effect is very effective. So I'm glad you have it up here. I like it a lot.
1: Yeah, awesome card.
0: Um my uh guess what? I also have an artifact coming up, but it's an artifact creature. And it's it'd be called... weird if you had a not artifact. I know, right? It's like the next time. <laughs> We're one doing is... top ten artifacts. Uh, it's exploration, it's a green <laughs> enchantment. Oh wait. Uh <laughs> But the next card I have at number four is Duplicant. Oh, yeah. Which is a six-drop artifact creature shapeshifter. Actually, this is the most expensive card I have um, casting cost-wise. Uh-huh. Um, it's a 2-4, but the important thing is it has imprint. So when Duplicant comes into play, you may remove target non-token creature from the game. So just straight up exiles wow. it, removes a card doesn't have any negative side effects. As long as a creature card isn't imprinted on duplicate. Duplicant has that card's power, toughness, and creature types.
1: It's still a shapeshifter. So it doesn't get their abilities, but it gets their size, and right. it gets their creature type.
0: Usually negligible, to be honest, right. though, because really you're just using uh, Duplicant as a kill-anything card. exile, And exiling it, yeah. yeah. But and, it's also
1: nice that like whatever's left over is like a usable thing. It's mm-hmm. like you Yeah, know, you can
0: still use it, especially if it's a big beater like Avicen or just yeah. any kind of huge creature. Um Also, the nice thing is that Duplicant doesn't... A lot of cards that usually exile something when they come into play give it back when they leave play. Yeah,
1: true. He doesn't do that. Duplicant just gets rid of it. It doesn't do that. Yeah,
0: exactly. So if you can find a way to bounce him or to give him Persist like Cauldron of Souls or to duplicate the Duplicant... you can go you can go reuse the effect and just start killing everything yeah it's awesome in a
1: flicker deck or in an animar type deck
0: yeah so i'm almost always you know if there was like a card that i could draw and i want to draw and like i need to protect my board and also get rid of a threat duplicate falls under so many of the quadrant categories that i always almost always want to have him if i can like if there was like like i'm looking at my hand like okay if i could choose like five cards right now i think that would make this hand perfect, or mm-hmm. duplicate would almost always make it in, I think. Yeah, there's
1: very few situations you can think of where drawing duplicate won't at least impact the board. Like it might yeah. not get you out of every situation, but there's not a lot of situations where it doesn't at least mm-hmm. do something. And yeah. there's very few cards really in magic where in every situation it, it's useful. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I like that pick. Um, I actually have duplicate under my honorable mention section, which oh, we'll talk about nice. later um he's honored that he's there so (laughs) he's probably more honored that he's number four on your list (laughs) okay number three i have nevino's disc oh nev's disc nev's disc so it's one of the original board wipes it's an artifact that costs four it comes in play tapped and then you can play one mana and it destroys all artifacts enchantments and creatures so it destroys itself also yeah Yeah, so
0: it's... You have to wait till your next turn to use it unless you have a card that can untap it.
1: Correct. So it's going to sit there on the board that will have one rotation of the table to try and kill it. And then you've got the nuke button and you've got both keys. Very often, though, people don't. Yeah. I mean, usually if one person is so
0: far ahead that everyone's terrified of them, they'll see the Nev's disc and be like, cool, I'll just spend this turn untapping my
1: mana and saying go. Yeah, people aren't going to play stuff. It does weird things to the game. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Especially because you don't
0: have to trigger it, it's right. your choice.
1: Yeah, people
0: treat it like it's a ticking time bomb, and it is, but you control again the right. Yeah, red button. you
1: can still play your threats because you're like, Well, if I get more threats out, I just won't use the disc. And yeah. if I'm ever like in danger of getting killed, then I'll blow, I'll, I'll, then I'll push the button. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's super powerful. Um, well, I see your paper and I see your number three, so we're gonna have further discussion because your number three. It's interesting because once again we had the same effect at the effect, same slot, yeah, but and how powerful uh, it is. And that was my other consideration for this slot. So go ahead.
0: Yeah. So my consideration for this slot is a card that came out in M15 called Perilous Vault. It's a four-drop artifact, and uh, for five man you tap it and it says exile Perilous Vault, exile all non-land permanents. So it's similar to Nevermore's disc, except instead of destroying everything. Everything gets exiled. The big difference is here is that Perilous Vault comes into play not tapped. And if you have nine mana total, you should be able to... You can
1: just blow it off right blow away. Blow it off right away, yeah. yeah. Also it exiles. Yeah. So and this it is does all non-land permanents. All non-land permanents. disc yeah. notably does not get weird of Planeswalkers. Yep. So uh, the Vault, vault would. Yeah. Yeah, I had a big... Conundrum. I had a dilemma in my head. I was like, ah, perilous vault, Nev's disc, perilous vault. And I'm thinking now that I'm looking at it, I could almost switch out the two as well because it. I think it was coin flip which one I was going to go with. And I ended up going with Nev's disc. And the only reason I could come up with was because, you know, one of the downsides of board wipes is that you wipe the board, but it usually costs so much mana to do that, then everybody else gets to play their stuff out. You have no recovery from it. Exactly. But Nev's disc only costs one. So, I can wipe the board right away as soon as it untaps, and I still can play something. That same turn, right? Yeah, and I've only down one mana, so I can play like my biggest thing probably that, you Mm -hmm. know, and then everybody else plays something, and I'm effectively like one turn ahead now. Right. Technically, Perilous Vault could do that. You have to wait till the end step. Right. But at that point, you're still leaving up five mana when
0: you could have done it immediately. But it's true. Like, if you do it, if you pop off a nine mana board wipe, you're. I, usually you're not going to have much mana to recover and play something as well on top of that. Right. If you're
1: so late in the game, yeah. then maybe. But even then, everybody else is going to be able to play two or three huge things. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it does exile. That's a big thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it gets around cards like Soul of New Phyrexia and Avacyn. Cauldron of Souls, Avacyn. Yeah, so it it has, I mean, both of them have their ups and downs. I think exiling stuff is is nice, unless your deck specifically has graveyard shenanigans. Right. Um, but then I was thinking, it's like, well, then what if someone else's deck has Graveyard Shenanigans and yours doesn't? Yep. In which case, Nev's disc may help them more than you know. You want it to, or whatever. True. So
1: I think bottom line is, if you're in a color that want that doesn't have its own board wipes, like green and red, yeah, notably don't have this type of effect, or black. Even they have different they kinds. They have Damnation of board wipes, and Toxic like, Delusion. Couple. To get by, yeah, true, and some are expensive. So uh, you're going to want both of these. Yeah, you know, if you want that effect, you're going to want it twice, probably. So, probably, yeah. Yeah, so there's not a, there's just not a lot of margin between the two, I think. Yeah,
0: they're very similar. Um, they both have specific uses, and I think it depends on your meta ultimately. You know, whether or not just destroying everything for a cheaper man cost is okay, or whether or not you need to exile stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point. If there's a powerful advantage.
1: deck and it and it needs exile rather than destroy, then yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you picked one and I picked the other, one. we got to talk about both. We got to talk about both. Yeah, it would have been really sad if we can only talk about one. <laughs> But um, we could have
0: just talked about how great Nev's disc is. It's one of the originals. That's maybe... You, that know, if, you know, if Planeswalkers didn't exist, Nev's disc would go way up in value. I yeah, think for, for sure. For sure. Just because it yeah. was printed with wording that didn't include, you know, non-land permanence was not a thing.
1: Right. You know? Right. And Planeswalkers obviously weren't a thing. Yeah, exactly. But you can also or use that to your advantage. So you used. could put Planeswalkers in your desk knowing I have Nev's disc. Yeah. So that's something you can sort of play to your
0: advantage. Play as Super Friends is a deck I think would be really fun to build. Yeah, true. Not a cheap one, but a fun one.
1: Okay, on to number two. Well, you stole my thunder. I put Lightning Greaves at number two. I just feel like Voltron-style decks are so prevalent in EDH. Yeah. And it's the most important card in most of those Voltron decks. Or Mm -hmm. maybe not the most important, but it's, you know... It, if you could choose one of your Voltron-y things to put on, it would probably be Lightning Greaves. So. Lightning Greaves, yeah. yeah. And any
0: deck, you're, you're thinking about the the fact that you can equip every creature before your general yeah. comes out with it. That made me reevaluate in the whole new light because it's true. Like you get value out of every, essentially all of your creatures
1: that come out and want it can have Shroud and yeah. haste. I even play it in a couple of decks where they're not Voltron decks. Mm. Uh, I just put it in there because it's just like, I might as well be able to give protect any creature I want to and give haste to any creature yeah. I want to. And yeah. usually your decks have a lot of cards that
0: are combo pieces, so they yeah. need certain things to survive. So yeah, it's definitely super useful. Um, it also just turns people off from you know going at you if they're like, well, I don't want to waste a spell trying to kill yeah. something. If there's another threat on the board that I you know want to get rid of more and don't need to deal with this artifact equipment that's in the way. So what's your number two? You stole my thunder It's Scroll Rack. Oh yeah, uh, rack. and I like Scroll Rack because I think it's de- it's dependent on the decks I have. So I have a mm-hmm. Kiki Jiki deck yep. which needs card draw. Or it's red. It's red, yeah. Yep. And I also have a uh, Marchesa deck which mm-hmm. needs to stop, st- at least be able to go through the top of your deck to get the right cards out because it's a very combo heavy deck.
1: Yeah, it's it's super strong. It's so strong that even in blue, which has a lot of card draw, I would still say Scroll Rack needs to be on almost every deck. Yeah, counting blue because. Uh, it's just card selection and card draw on one card, and it's very cheap. Yeah, You lose lose basically nothing. I mean, the only time Scroll Rack's bad is when you don't have very many cards in your hand, mm -hmm. but you can fix that with a lot of other cards. In EDH, if you don't have very many cards in your hand, you're either an aggro deck, and now you're going to lose because you (laughs) haven't won yet and you don't have cards in your hand, or you built your deck wrong because every other deck should have a lot of card draw.
0: Yeah, card draw is super important. Scroll Rack gets that job done. It's not draw, per se, but it is hand-fixing. It's still sort of draw because you're yeah. just
1: replacing cards. Yeah, it's sort of like looting slash draw slash selection. I don't know. It's yeah. just awesome.
0: In a lot of cases, I like it more than the Divining Top because it lets yeah. you dig a little deeper into your library. You know, I think Divining Top uh, in a 60-card deck is great. Yeah. Not so hot in a 99-card deck. It's still hot. It's still hot. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> It's It's a must-include. I want both. Yeah, I yeah, want both. Yeah, seriously.
1: Um, now, this is really interesting because looking over across at your little list there, Neither of us share the same. We both have a number one that the other doesn't even have on their list. Yeah, <laughs> which is That's insane. kind of insane. I really, I don't know. I don't know that I'm right. I just had to stop stop like moving stuff around at some uh-huh. point and pick a number one. and, and um, What'd you land on? My number one is Solemn Simulacrum. So Solemn oh, Simulacrum right. is this a... This card is the yeah. best. It's Why is this not on my two list? Two. Solemn Simulacrum two two. is a four mana 2-2. Two two. When it comes into play, you search your library for a basic land and you put it into play tapped. And then when it dies, you draw a card. So the closest analogy that I can think of to this card is Mold Drifter. Yeah. I feel like it's the Mold Drifter of artifacts. You know, you get a land when it comes in, you draw a card when it dies. Yeah. It's super, super value. It's four you know, man. that's pretty cheap. Yeah, it's not part of a big combo piece. I mean, you can you can flicker it, you can bounce it back to your hand, you oh my can gosh. reoccur it from your flicker graveyard. Oh, yeah. So much value, yeah. Because if you, yeah, exactly. So you can do all kinds of things to get more value out of it, but you don't even have to, yeah. And this is a card that, like, yeah, it doesn't win you the game, but it just is so efficient at what it does that it always just incrementally advances you, yeah. Yeah, and it- I just love cards like this. I mean, Moldrifter is probably my favorite card of all time, mm-hmm. um, besides Counterspell. And this is the closest Artifacts get to Moldrifter. That's why I just I was like, you know what? I just got to put it at number one.
0: Yeah, it's funny I didn't even include it in my list as seeing as it's in like three of my decks. <laughs> 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 so clearly I find it very valuable. Um, he's great in Animar. He's great in Kiki-Jiki. He, he just has tons of places where you want to use him uh, because like I feel like he's great in all the sectors. Mm-hmm. He's amazing when you're setting up. He's good, good in at parody. Murray. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's not the best at parody, but he's also
1: great... When you're behind and you need to get more mana. Yeah, behind is the one place where he's not. He amazing, doesn't shine, yeah. But at least he's a body. And so you if can... you're behind and, and the behind that you are is like I have to just block something. Yeah. He's fine. And they'll draw you a card because yeah. of it. And also like if you have a sack out like like we said, then you can use him to draw another card and cycle yeah. through. Like yeah. And when you're winning, you just need anything, and, and he's fine. Yeah. I also think this is one of
0: the uh, cards that was based off of one of the people that won Worlds or whatever. The Yeah,
1: this is one of the invitational uh, yeah, cards. Yeah. I so forget.
0: him and Snapcaster Mage and a couple of other cards. Dark, Confidant, Dark Confidant, Meddling
1: yeah. Mage, a Meddling Mage, a lot of powerful cards. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, Shadow Mage Infiltrator. For your, oh, that was uh,
1: the first one, right? For John Finkel, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so Solemn Simulacrum is he's amazing. I, I You know what? I agree with him at number one for you. Um, but I don't agree with number one for me because my number one is Chromatic
1: Lantern. Chromatic Lantern. I'm really surprised you chose this one as number one, actually. I This card has... And I'm really surprised I don't have it on my list. <laughs> I know, right? Because I love playing a million colors. Yeah. Like, every time we we draft or do anything I'm trying to play as many colors as possible I'm super mana greedy yeah and, uh, um, and this card
0: makes your dreams come true
1: it's a three drop artifact
0: and it just says lands you control have tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool and it the lantern also taps to add one mana of any color to your mana pool so it totally fixes you like it all fixes your you mana
1: completely it basically makes all your spells cost colorless
0: yeah Um which is great because there's there have been so many times in commander games where I'm like if you just don't draw the right kind of lands or if you don't have yeah the you know you just don't you just get flooded by one specific kind of land. The Chromatic Lantern fixes all of that yep. and will fix all that for the rest of time because it's not basic lands. It's just lands you control. So that means it turns cards like Maze of Ith yep. into a mana producer. Yeah. And other cards that don't necessarily produce lands, like you can even make like a strip mine. um, Strip mine, yeah. No strip mine makes uh, colorless, colorless, but but yeah, it it turns colorless into any color. Yeah, so you never have to worry about casting huge color spells ever again. Um, Of course, it dies to removal like every other uh, artifact on this list. But just for me, just the the sheer utility of being able to be like. Breathe a sigh of relief, you don't need to worry about drawing mana anymore. You will be okay. You will be able to cast most everything you need as mm-hmm.
1: regardless of the as long as you of have enough you total mana. Yeah,
0: exactly. You don't have to worry
1: about the color of the mana. Yeah,
0: you can even make the eye of Ugin a mana producer. Like you can make <laughs> weird things produce mana. So that's why I like it, is because it also changes non basic lands that are really weird or funky into things that can actually give you mana. Right.
1: Yeah. It's a good, it's a good card. Do we want to talk card. about our honorable mentions? Yeah, I think we should go through them pretty quickly. Okay, um, mine. I have um, duplicate. We already mentioned. Nice. I have one called Mana Web. Oh, I saw this and I was like, "What is this card? I've never seen it before." I it's only amazing. have it in one deck, and I'm, I, you know, it's in one of like eight decks, and so I've only gotten it out a few. I times. I think it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I, this sits in a really nice place. It's it's a really nice wheelhouse. What it does, oh, I should say, is it's an artifact, uh, it's a three drop, and whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, they have to tap all other lands they control that produce the ma- any mana of that color. Yeah. So if they tap a, f- a mountain, they'll also have to tap their bad lands, mm-hmm. and their shock land that produces red, and anything else that, you know, if they have something, a uh, five color land, like a mon- mana yeah. confluence, they'll have to tap that too. And
0: notably, they cannot tap those lands for mana they don't because
1: they become tapped they don't actually tap for mana. they could tap them in response to yeah. get mana out of it yeah so, exactly so but they're getting tapped no matter what yes but it doesn't actually that's why i like about it it doesn't actually s- destroy them in the way of like hey you don't have any mana you can mm-hmm. use now they just have to when they cast something they sort of have to cast it all at once yeah so they can't do like combat tricks it's hard for them to do instance because anytime yeah. they tap blue they have to tap all their blue So, it doesn't mean you can't cast anything. It just means it's hard to, you can't cast a blue spell during your turn and then your opponent's turn. Yeah. You have to choose one or the other. And so, people don't get as mad because you're not just totally putting the stop sign up. Yeah. But what happens is you're really hindering them and slowing them down, but it's sort of more subtle than that. Yeah, and people that like to cast multiple spells on other people's turns don't get that. Or if you know. you're going to cast something before combat and after combat, Mm-mm. it makes it tough to do those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sort of makes all their moves more transparent, easy yeah. to, easier to see coming. It affects colorless mana, too. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing when you get the card out, how it seems pretty innocuous, and then you watch how people have to play with it, and then you're like, holy crap, it's really slowing them down. Yeah, yeah. But they're not, they don't get as mad about it because it, it doesn't feel like I can't do anything. Right. But it, it gives. It, but here's why it's great. It's because it lets
0: you do as much as you want. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't you. affect you, yeah. yeah it's only a um, One of the cards that made my honorable mentions was Mimic Fat, which is a oh, yeah. three-drop artifact, and it has imprint as well, which is the same ability on Duplicant, uh, except this says, whenever a non-token creature is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may exile that card. If you do return each other card, exile with Mimic Vat to its owner's graveyard. So... You
1: don't have to kill the thing. You don't have to
0: kill the thing, and and you can do this multiple times. Anytime something dies, but you only get to mimic put one thing in the vat at a time. Mm-hmm. So it's not a permanent exile. But usually, you can just do this to get rid of one thing for a long time. And the big ability is for three mana, and you tap the artifact. You can put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of the exiled card. It gains haste, and then you exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So you get to have a, a copy of that you creature. You sort of imprint that, that, yeah. that creature onto it. Yeah, and, it's, and, and the Mimic Vat tips over for three mana and spews out a hasty, weird, demony copy of it that disappears at the end of the turn. But then you can do it again next turn. Yep. And you can do it at instant speed to create a blocker. There's there's yep. lots of utility if for you this. you can untap it, you yeah. can do it twice. Also, a lot of cards don't want to be exiled. They want to go to the graveyard. So like Soul of New Phyrexia, you can be like, nope, that one's mine now.
1: Yeah. So there's crazy stuff that can happen too. Like if you imprint like an Avison, mm-hmm. then at instant speed you can just make all your stuff indestructible. Yep. yep. Yeah. So And
0: not to mention you can do it on your own stuff as well. So it's
1: not just your opponents. Yep. Yep. It's anything in any graveyard, right? Yeah. Any creature in any graveyard. Yeah. So it's definitely an annoying really card, card, but it's a very strong card. Yeah. yeah. Um another one I had is uh and it was on my top ten list and it was off and it was on and it was off and, it was <laughs> on, and it was on and literally like right before we hit record, I moved it again. Yeah. So it's a Phyrexian Metamorph, uh,
0: the the granddaddy of all clones until Clever Impersonator came around. It's true.
1: It might it it's one of the best clones ever printed up mm-hmm. until uh, a couple weeks ago. It might have been the best clone ever printed, but now it's just on the list. Yeah, I'll allow everyone else out there to debate debate if it's better than Clever Impersonator <laughs> or not. But it costs three and a Phyrexian blue mana. So a Phyrexian blue mana means you can either play one blue or two life. Yep. Um, and then it says. You may have Phyrexian Metamorph enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or creature on the battlefield, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Nice.
0: So he can copy a Soul Ring copy a soul ring you can copy, copy a gilded lotus you can copy any yeah for three mana and two yeah, life you can and, copy
1: any of the stuff on this list like lightning greaves or yeah yeah scroll rack i don't know why you'd want two scroll racks that's stupid <laughs> that. uh, but there's a lot of if stuff someone you else has two one of. yeah not yeah, to mention like you that's can true, copy somebody else's yeah
0: you can copy someone else's great artifact that they have on the board so if someone gets a soul ring out and like you just need that mana you can play a phyrexia mana more for three and almost always i found myself playing paying the two life you just pay the two life it's it's uh, out of 40 it's, it's negligible yeah, yeah exactly
1: yeah. the only thing that's of knocks this down is that in edh the blue still counts as blue and it can't yep. go like in regular constructed uh format where this is legal so not standard um you can just put it in any deck because you can just pay the say i'm gonna pay the two life i don't mm-hmm. have a, any blue mana sources in my whole deck but i can still play this card yeah in edh the rules say you can't do it because it still counts as blue cards so as long yeah your commander has to be in your commander's colors yeah so you you couldn't play it
0: in a deck that was mono black. Yeah, that's why it got knocked out of my top 10 because I think the best artifacts should be ones that can go into literally every deck. Yeah. Um, and I did Google, like, can you play Phyrexian Metamorph because it has Phyrexian <laughs> Mana in EDH? and EDH? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you um, can The last card I had on mine is a uh, fun card that you also introduced me to called Doubling Cube. Oh, yeah. No, James Bianca. James. Oh, yeah, that's right. James definitely uses Doubling Cube. Um, mm-hmm. It's a two-drop artifact, and for three, you tap it, double the amount of each type of mana in your mana pool so broken yeah as long as you're tapping at least three mana to i mean like <laughs> as long as you have three mana open like you can make six mana four is eight five is ten simple y- math you yep. make
1: a ton of mana it's it's the most crazy ramp thing you could ever have yeah yeah because the word double is just unbelievably powerful um, yeah it's awesome there's hardly a deck it it could be in the top 10 very easily there's yeah. not very many decks that wouldn't just want to double their mana just to do more crazy broken stuff
0: yeah and it's not even like you get one colorless for each you get to double the amount of each type of mana so if yeah. you have three green and two blue then you have six green and four blue and jimmy's good at math yeah jimmy's the, the possibilities are endless let's multiply that by like 100 now you have 600 green
1: and 200 blue James Bianca is getting chills right now. He's 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 out there going because <laughs> he will make that happen too, or he'll just say some what arbitrary you say he had number. Like fifteen million once.
0: Yeah, and he actually did the math to calculate exactly how how much it was, which is great. Yeah, I'd just be like,
1: I have a lot. Yeah. Okay, I can do whatever I want. Should we mention cards that didn't make the cut? Sure. Really quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have Journeyer's Kite. Nice. It's uh three and tap it. You can go find a basic land from your library, put it in your hand, and shuffle your deck. So. And and you can just do that every turn. Yeah. So it's just a way to sort of even out your draws. I mean, a lot of games where you don't get enough land just suck, so, th- yeah, you yeah. know. Um, I had the Medallion Cycle, so like Ruby Medallion, Sapphire
0: Medallion. They just essentially, there's one for each color, and they make each year spells of that color cost one mm-hmm. colorless less. They're much better in monocolor decks. I would um, say
1: you would pretty much only want to play them yeah. in a monocolor deck, but or then they're, they're heavily very strong. One color. Yeah, exactly.
0: They're yeah. very strong. They help make everything a little bit cheaper, so it's quite
1: nice. Uh, one I liked was Crawl Space. It says no more than two creatures can attack each combat. Nice. So there's a lot of controly type decks or Voltron decks that just don't want, like, a 1,000 tokens coming at them. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, it's a good mm, sort of defensive card.
0: Yeah. I also had Torpor Orb on there, which we've uh, talked about, which is Hushring Griff uh, does the same thing. <laughs> uh, you play it, creatures hanging in the battlefield, don't cause abilities to trigger. <laughs> and the reason uh, it didn't... <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, yeah pretty much hoses half of your deck, josh yeah, no i hate that card and the reason that it didn't make the decks is because oftentimes you will want your own creatures to cause abilities to trigger as well so it's, it's just it's very specific to a couple yeah. of different
1: decks uh animar uh rune uh decks with a lot of entered battle yeah flicker decks. and stuff yeah, I yeah. That um there's that, also bir- awesome. birthing pod and i just yeah I, that I that really there's probably a lot of people out there going how did you guys not have birthing pod yeah, on the know, list right Burning
0: Pod is three in a Phyrexian mana, which is... Phyrexian gotta, green Phyrexian, Phyrexian green, yeah. So you can only play this in green uh, EDH decks. And for one and Phyrexian mana, so, so one and two life for one in green, you can tap it to sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrificed creature's converted mana cost. Put that card down on the battlefield, then shuffle your library, to activate this ability only time you can cast a sorcery. So it's a tutor, and it puts it directly into play. Yeah, and you have to sacrifice a creature to do it. So it's also kind of a sac outlet. You can do it at instant speed to pull up a sweet guy. The thing is, for me, it's just this requires a little too much mental brain power. It's you have it's to have. It's awesome. It, be, it is awesome. It's awesome. And it should probably it,
1: be on our top ten list. Like yeah. honestly, um, so should a lot of these cards. It was hard to narrow it down. Yeah. I, I, I just I, the only thing it was the same reason I didn't put Phyrexian on. Yeah. It's just like. It's specific to a color. Green mana, yeah. Yeah.
0: And the other thing is you have to... I mean, like, I I think this has so much more effectiveness when you can run four in a deck. True. And you you know what... You can run four of other creatures that you know. Like, I have these two drops, these three drops, these four drops. In Commander, I find so many times that, like... You can tutor out stuff, but you didn't want to get something that was, you know, or let's say you have a seven drop and you sack it to get an eight drop. It's like, you have to have an eight drop, which is like a weird, specific, huge number. Right. So sometimes
1: it's not as effective because the chances of you even drawing a birthing pod, you know, and if you are It's true, deck and constructed, it, you build your deck a certain way, so there's like certain amount of cards in each casting cost that you know, and yeah. you know exactly what card to go get. Yeah. It's a little harder in EVH. Still, it's awesome. It's awesome, uh, yeah. Green decks are going to run that card a lot. Uh, yeah, you could totally make the argument. I know people who are yell, probably yelling at, at us right now. Yeah, like, yelling at their car stereos. Yeah, you're right, you're right. We should have had it on the list. I'm sorry.
0: Sorry, guys. Uh, the last one uh, that could have made the list, it's similar to the Board Wives. It's Oblivion Stone. It's a three-drop artifact, and for four mana, you can tap it to put a Fate Counter on target permanent, and for five mana, you can tap it and sacrifice Oblivion Stone, and you destroy each non-land permanent without a Fate Counter on it, uh, and then you remove all Fate Counters from all permanents. So...
1: You sort of pick a couple you,
0: things you to save. You pick a couple of things to save, yeah. I didn't probably put it, your stuff. Yeah, probably your stuff. It's a little dirtly. It takes a little bit of time. People know it's coming.
1: <laughs> they start getting mad at you before you even yeah. like blow it off. Not yeah. to
0: mention like if you manage to put like two Fate Counters on something and then someone blows up your Oblivion Stone, it's like, oh, well. I just did nothing. I just did nothing and I wasted a lot of mana and a lot of turns. And a whole card. But situationally, I think it's pretty strong.
1: Yeah, it is a good card. Yeah, all, All right. right. I think that'll wrap up artifacts. You know what? There's going to be a whole bunch of discussion about this, um, which we love, and yeah. we'd love it if you took it to the comment section uh, on Rocket Jump. Mm-hmm. because you know people are going to find this podcast you know weeks, months, years after we've recorded it, and uh, it'll be cool for them to be able to scroll down and see what other people think. Yeah. Uh, what your list is? You know, why don't you make your list of what you think the top ten artifacts that belong in every deck? Mm-hmm. Same parameters. Nothing that's over twenty five dollars. You know at the time that you make your list and yeah. leave, leave Soul Ring and Sensei four years from now, all these cards
0: are gonna be like $80,
1: <laughs> or like Sensei's divining top will be in Commander 2015. You can only hope I to hope. make games longer and then it'll and be way cheaper. yeah. yeah exactly. right. But leave Soul Ring and Sensei's divining top off, uh, because yeah, those are given, those I are think. obviously on the list if they're not one and yeah. two, yeah. And who
0: knows, maybe commenting on the Rocket Jump page will somehow enter you to maybe win something.
1: Oh, we just changed the contest. That could be a way to win.
0: Yeah, but we'll we'll of course always tweet out how to win. So, still follow us. <laughs> All right. On to our commander
1: spotlight. Yeah, this one's a bit of a funky one actually. Yeah, this is a this is a crazy deck and it's pretty complicated. So, I'm glad we we cruise through the artifacts. Um So, it's Nekusar. We've had a lot of requests, a whole bunch Probably the most requested commander we've had to talk about Mm -hmm. is Nekusar. And he came in the uh, Commander 2013 decks. Right. And so Nekusar, let me read him. He costs two and Grixis. That's blue, black, red. Ah, He's a legendary creature, zombie wizard. He's a 2-4. It says, at the beginning of each player's draw step, that player draws an additional card. Whenever an opponent draws a card, Nekusar deals one damage to that player. So he'll make you draw one additional card, or your opponent's. Mm-hmm. Sorry. He'll make everybody draw an additional card and your so your opponents are drawing two cards and taking two damage from Nekusar every turn. That's if he only he's out. Yeah. So, it's pretty easy, easy to see what you want to do with him. You want to make everybody draw a lot of cards and kill him because yes. of that. Yeah. Exactly. It it also is powerful in EDH because there's a lot of card draw. It's pretty rampant throughout mm-hmm. the format. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. And so, it it does shut people off from being able to do something that their deck's already naturally trying to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't stop them from doing it. They just have to be willing to take the damage. It also punishes other people from for drawing. Yeah, know? that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah like, exactly, yeah. Yeah, they, they, every deck is going to have a certain amount of card draw in it, and now you're saying every time you use that, you take damage. So it's a very mm-hmm. powerful effect. Um, but. But, <laughs> so when I built this deck, you know, I took Nekusar, and I looked at it, and I, I saw... I, there's just a lot of downsides to playing Nekusar as your general. He's really tough politically when you have him when you flip him over and everybody can see it, they know what your strategy is for one. yeah, it's written on the card. yeah, you're so they know how you're gonna try to beat him. and the way you're gonna try to beat him is really sketchy mm-hmm. because you're gonna let them draw a million cards. So you're basically saying, hey, look, I'm gonna give you every chance in the world to. Stop Defeat my strategy. Yeah. Because I'm going to let you see a lot of your deck. Mm -hmm. And so that's a tough thing when they know exactly like, oh, now's the point that I got to kill the Nekusar guy. Mm -hmm. I got enough cards out of him, but I know it's eventually going to kill me, so I'll kill him now. And there's also just this thing where like, if you're just the one person doing damage to everybody and it's just a little damage to everybody at the table, yeah. it's like they're just naturally everyone's default is going to be, well, I'm gonna, if I don't have anybody I know I need to attack, I'm going to attack that guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, thank you for the extra cards, but you're still going to be the first to go because no one else wants everyone else to draw cards too, you know, especially if your deck has a lot of card drawing. You're like, dang it. Well, I don't want the mono red guy to be drawing
1: all these cards. Right, exactly. And that is the other thing. Everyone's drawing a lot of cards. What happens? The board state goes crazy. Everyone yeah. hits all their land drops. They play out a bunch of stuff. In fact, if you build this deck right, they're drawing so many cards that they don't even care if they lose the stuff. Normally, you're going to hold back a few things. You're worried about a board right. But if you're drawing four cards next turn, you don't worry about those things. Yeah. So what happens is the board gets really cluttered. So the thing I found with Nekusar is he's not in a, uh, the color that I really need to combat what's going to happen when I make everybody draw a lot of cards, mm-hmm. which is I need board wipes. So yeah. I need white. I need white really bad. Because white has all the great board wipes. But he's not white, But Josh. he's not in white. So what was my solution? My solution was... <laughs> this is the most Josh solution in the world. <laughs> <laughs> my solution was, I'm going to play a Nekusar deck, but I'm not going to play Nekusar as my commander. Yep. I'm going to play a Wooburg commander. And Wooburg, as we know, is one of each color mana. Yep. So if I pick a commander that their casting cost has every color mana, then I can play every color in my deck. I mean, I, I honestly would have done just four color. I would have done white and grixis right but that doesn't exist they haven't made four color commanders yet you had to use green so you have to go into five color and if you're going to play you'll put a couple green cards in you don't need a lot of green cards yeah and there's some great green cards that will make this deck work and just flow that much better too so the thing about well let me just read chromat really quick chromat's Chromat's complicated i'm gonna i'm gonna boil him down he's wooberg white blue black red and green one of each he's a five five legend he has a bunch of abilities um, they don't really matter. You're not going to use them. But you don't even cast Chromat. He has old school uh, <laughs> Death Touch, which is that he kills anything that is either blocking or blocked by him. He doesn't have to deal the damage. You can give him flying. You can regenerate him. You can give him plus one, plus one until end of turn, and you can put him on top of uh, the owner's library. You can do all this stuff. They all cost a different two-color combination, not key mm-hmm. Not key to the deck at all. In fact, yeah. I'd say 80% of the time you don't even cast Chromat. He's just allowing you to play the colors. Yep. You so, could put uh, who's the other big sliver hive lord sliver. Or there's <laughs> Could all, you imagine there's
0: imagine if you flip sliver hive lord it's like oh man we're in for a sliver fest man. yeah like, actually you're in for a Nekusar <laughs> theme deck
1: the reason i picked chromat is because he is situationally useful mm-hmm. to just come out block something he has old school death touch if you yeah, want exactly. he can fly so once in a while you're just like man i just have to put him out there to block something all yeah. right yeah so so that's it's like that or a progenitus or whatever you know yeah you could put progenitus too yeah Um, But the main thing is access to white. You just never would cast Progenitus. Never. Yeah, you Yeah, the main thing is access to white. Okay, so back to Nekusar, because you're still building a Nekusar deck. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what does Nekusar want? He wants everybody to draw cards. So there's a lot of cards in the history of Magic that just say all players now draw this many cards. There's Mm -hmm. Howling Mine. That makes everybody draw one extra card. Mm -hmm. There's Font of Mythos. It makes everybody draw two extra cards yep um there's a new one from uh conspiracy
0: salvalla yeah actually all the parlay cards um, where you know you get to you tap a card like Savala, and everyone reveals the top card of their library and you get an additional bonus before it but everyone gets to draw that card depending on how many non-land cards are flipped over so you get to add green man with
1: Savala, which is pretty sweet and you gain a life for you gain every a life yeah yeah so for every non-land card that everybody flips up you gain a life and draw you, you get a green mana in your mana pool and everybody draws an extra card so it's mm-hmm. basically an, also a howling mine yeah. tacked on and she's a 2-4 creature so yeah. she's a pretty good one um she makes everybody draw cards you're gonna need a lot of mana in this deck you're gonna find like there's gonna be this moment and you're gonna have to do like something and kill everybody all at once it's one of those out of nowhere all of a sudden kill everybody yes yeah. yeah um another card i really like is called and this screws up the game, which is in a super fun way. It's yeah. It's called Teferi's Puzzle Box. I've considered running this in a lot of my decks yeah. just for funsies. It's totally fun. And in this deck, it's fun and it kills people yeah. eventually. Um, Teferi's Puzzle Box costs four. It's an artifact. It says, during each player's draw phase, that player counts the cards in his or her hand, <laughs> puts those cards on the bottom of his or her library, and then draws that many cards. Recycle. <laughs> so it's forcing a lot of card draw. If yeah. Nekusar's out you're drawing two cards on top of how many cards are in your hand already and you as the controller of Nekusar and the puzzle box get to stack them so what you do is it's jimmy's turn he has four cards in hand Nekusar makes him draw one extra Mm -hmm. so he draws the extra takes damage now he's got five he's took a damage now he puts all five on the bottom of his library and draws five more yeah he just took six damage then he draws his card for the turn Seven damage. damage. Yep. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. And then you'll find with Nekusar, people just have seven cards or more in hand at all times. At all times. Not to mention that if it, it like,
0: let's say I'm right before or I'm right after you in terms of card, like, mm-hmm. you, you do stuff that makes everyone draw cards. And it's like, I haven't had a chance to discard yet. Right. Hits my turn. I'm all of you a sudden discarding. Yeah. I'm discarding 12 cards and drawing another 12. And, like, it's just a fast road to death that you just can't prevent. Yep, but so, you're smiling
1: all the way because you're like, "Look at all these
0: cards I'm drawing, though."
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fun to play against. I'll talk about that later. Uh, people will not hate you for this deck yeah, if you play I it I love right. it. Yeah, another one I really like is called Memory Jar. This oh, almost, yeah. this actually almost made my list of uh, oh, top ten artifacts. Yeah. nice yeah. So it's a, uh, it's funny. You're playing a five-crawler deck, and you end up playing a lot of artifacts. Yeah. Um, it's a five-drop artifact. Uh, it says, "Tap it, sacrifice it." Each player sets aside his or her hand face down. And draws seven cards. At the end of the turn, each player discards his or her hand and returns the cards they put face down as their hand. So it's like you temporarily draw seven new cards. The important part of this is everybody just has to draw seven cards, and you do it during your turn, so you can cast your cards, and they can only cast the instants and sorceries. Mm-hmm. And then you return to your old hand, and it's they just you know those those cards they drew, drew are just gone. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a super powerful card. I think it belongs in a lot of EDH decks. Not everyone. So okay. You set up a situation, there's a whole bunch of these um, cards that make pe- everybody draw cards. Uh, you're gonna want a lot of that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and the great thing is, what's that do? It causes everybody to shuffle, to, to rifle through their deck really quick, so they see a lot of their deck. So you're looking for certain combo pieces yourself, and, and it means that, that you're gonna find those uh, a little bit faster than than you otherwise would. Mm-hmm. Um, you get so-
0: essentially get, your, your deck gets to get going.
1: And yeah, like it everyone gets them else, going too, it gets but, them
0: going. But yours is more focused because what you're doing to get everyone else going is specifically in your goals. Correct. Right. Not everyone's like not everyone's deck. Everyone's deck technically is like draw more cards, win the game. But yours is really draw more cards, win, win the, the game. game. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: that's that's the goal. Well put. So then, what do you want? Everyone's drawing a bunch of cards. Now you want to make that kill them. Yep. So there's a classic one. It's the very first one. In fact, the deck, if I could name it, I wouldn't even name it Nekusar. You I would, would name, name it, it the Underworld Dreams deck yeah. because it was the first card that had this effect.
0: Yeah, and it's a card that's been reprinted a bunch of times now, too. It's mm-hmm. just It was reprinted in Legends. It's three black, um, just black, 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 and it just does one damage to each opponent for each card he or she draws. Correct. So, so Nekusar
1: is basically a Howling Mine and an Underworld Dreams stapled Stable, onto a yeah. creature. Yeah
0: and the nice thing about this deck is that you need like we've always said you need to make your deck function without the commander and this deck essentially does that without Nekusar out there's so many other options that you have in here that do the same
1: thing but will still get you to killing everyone without them being like oh my god nekusar is out which is great exactly in fact Nekusar is just an effect that you have a lot of mm-hmm. so you just need to find a couple of this effect yeah a new card um that was released recently is uh, Fate Unraveler. It's a 3-4. It's a three and a black, and it just says whenever an opponent draws a card, Fate Unraveler deals one damage to that player. So yep. it's just Nekusar, but minus the extra card draw ability.
0: Yeah. Um, you got Spiteful Visions, which is essentially Nekusar, which is at the beginning of each player's draw step, they draw an additional card, and whenever they draw a card, this enchantment does a damage to that player. Right.
1: That um, card, uh, just to just to pay attention to, it does damage to you also. Yeah. So that all of a sudden makes it so you're taking damage for drawing cards. It's still an awesome card, and you can still kill everyone with it. You just have to be careful when you play it. Yeah, and hopefully at that point
0: you're ahead on life, so yeah. that they're they'll die first.
1: Yeah, because they've already been taking damage from Underworld Dreams, and all of a sudden you drop that just to finish them
0: off. Yeah, and that's the thing is these effects stack. Correct. So like if you get two of these out, now two of these, two of these out, now <laughs> everyone's taking two damage for each card they draw. That's. I mean, that will kill someone
1: so quickly. I mean, think if you have Teferi's Puzzle Box out and they have seven cards in hand and you've got Nekusar and Spiteful Visions. Yeah. So they draw two extra cards, take four damage, then they have to discard nine cards and draw nine cards, take 18, 18 damage. damage. That's just one turn, they took 22 damage for drawing cards. Yeah, in a single turn, yeah. less yeah. There's uh, something called the Psychosis Crawler, it's a five drop, it says it's power and toughness is equal to the number of cards you have in your hand, and then whenever you draw a card, each opponent loses one life. So it's kind of the inverse of when they draw a card, it's mm-hmm. when you draw a card, but it still doesn't matter because everyone's going to be drawing the same amount yeah. of cards. This card, I love. That oh, yeah, go ahead, read. read it. Oh, okay, thank this you. This is the one of the finishers, yeah. Yeah,
0: this is a finisher. Uh, it's six in the black, price of knowledge. Uh, players have no maximum hand size, very important. And at
1: you force them to hold all their cards. Their so their they cards. actually yeah. want
0: to discard, but you're not letting yeah. them. Yeah, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, price of knowledge deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards in their hand. So that's just like especially if you had them draw a ton of cards, you know, at that point, they're just taking massive amounts of damage on top of the cards they're drawing
1: to give them that damage. So it's like, it's just another way to like really put the hatchet down. What you'll find too is early on, you'll play a couple cards and then somebody will get like a reliquary tower, which lets you have no, no maximum, maximum hand size. Yeah. And they'll be all gleeful. They'll be like, you guys are discarding. I get to hold all my hand. Then you play this and you just kill them. Yeah. They're like, I have 30 cards in hand, okay? All and right. then you play this and they're like, crap i'm dead yeah nothing i it's can like do like i have sack outlets but i don't have hand sack outlets yeah, i can't, I can't, I can't rid- dump <laughs> any of these cards yeah, yeah exactly and that's the thing people it's hard to play around this deck um even once you know what it's doing because you just don't have a lot of ways to take the cards in your hand and yeah. just dump them yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah. you're just really really uh, strapped by the amount of mana you have yeah um, okay, so now we're taking damage, we're drawing a lot of cards, we're doing damage to everybody for that, and then we need win conditions. This is just sort of the thing that's going to put you over the top, because I think people build this deck and they build it wrong, and they play it wrong. In fact, we'll talk yeah. about this later, but how you play it is super important. But you're not going to kill everybody by just dinging them for four damage every turn. Yeah, just annoy them. You'll annoy them enough so they'll they'll swat the B, they'll kill you. Yeah. Um. So you need some big splashy effect that sort of like all of a sudden does a bunch of damage and my favorite way to do it is wheel of fortune uh, another v- one of the original alpha cards is um two and a red it's a sorcery it says all players must discard their hand and draw seven new cards nice this is another sort of chaosy thing too but also it's totally red yeah but also it's gonna make them take damage if you have two if you have underworld dreams and nexus out mm-hmm. they'll take 14 damage now yeah I like to have Fork and Twincast in the deck. Oh, gosh. So you just say Wheel of Fortune, Fork it. So everyone's going to draw seven cards, then immediately discard those seven cards and draw seven more. You just drew 14 cards. You're going to take 28 damage. There's another card that's very similar. Do you want to read it? It's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, Molten Psyche, uh, which is one and two red. It's a sorcery. Each player shuffles the cards from his or her hand into his library and then draws that many cards. And Metalcraft, if you control three or more artifacts, Molten Psyche deals damage
1: to each opponent equal to the number of cards that player has drawn this turn. It's brutal with Molten Psyche because you've noticed there's a lot of artifacts in the deck because there's a lot of artifacts that make yeah. you draw cards or that make everybody draw cards. Mm-hmm. And also because you're playing a five-color deck. You're gonna, and you, you have tons of artifacts. So you are gonna you need the crafts. artifacts because your your mana is going to be all over the place because mm-hmm. it's a five-color deck. So you need artifacts because you can use any of your mana to, to cast them. Yeah, So that's another way to sort of smooth out your deck. So Molten Psyche, let's think about this. Let's say Nekusar is out and Underworld Dreams. Or let's say you have two effects that make Right. people take damage when they are when they draw cards. You play Molten Psyche. Everyone discards their hand and draws seven cards. Or however many cards they have in their hand. Yeah, like sorry. And draws, so let's they They're going to have seven. Yeah. They, this is the thing about this deck is you're going to be making every draw three, four, five cards a turn. And they'll be discarding down to they They're going to have seven. Six or seven, depending yeah. on what they can play. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're going to have, yeah, six or seven. So they discard their hand. They draw six new cards. Nekusar and the other thing or whatever, they, they take damage. 12 damage from that. Yep. For drawing six cards then metalcraft says they take damage equal to the number of cards they draw this turn so they take another six damage they just took 18 damage (laughs) then you fork it they discard those six Six cards cards. they draw six more but now they've drawn 12 12 cards cards that turn turn, they take 12 more damage from the next star and then they take 12 more damage from the molten psyche so a forked molten psyche will usually kill the whole table yep yeah it'll it'll generally get the job done that's that's what i try and hold the thing about this deck is you're playing five colors you have access to every tutor that's ever been created in the game of yeah, Magic. which is so powerful. So Cause... you can find the pieces you need. It's really easy. You're going to have Mystical Tutor. You're going to have Demonic Tutor. You're going to have Enlightened Tutor. You're going to have Worldly Tutor. I mean, it's crazy. You yeah. can find whatever card you want. And that's why this deck is nuts. The other finishers, I would say... Um, this is a really
0: fun one. Cyclonic Rift, yeah. Cyclonic. This actually... It's a card that I like to play in all my blue decks. Yes. Because uh, you can overload Cyclonic Rift for seven mana, and you can essentially return each tar- each nonland permanent you don't control to their owner's hand. Right. In general, in games, it's like, all right, everyone, time to start over, and my board presence is still great. Correct. In this case, it's like so many things... Deal damage equals the number of cards in your hand, and it just is a way to just just drop you off the face of this planet.
1: Yeah, if you can bounce all their stuff back to their hand, oftentimes they're going to be holding somewhere around twenty cards. Mm-hmm. And then if you have Teferi's Puzzle Box, they have to discard twenty cards and draw, draw twenty. Or yeah, put yeah put those twenty cards on the bottom and draw twenty and take twenty damage or forty damage. Or if you play Molten Psyche, then they actually have to draw twenty. If you yeah. fork it, then they have to draw another twenty. They just took sixty damage, even if you don't have Nexus yeah. out. Yeah. So yeah, it's. It's pretty broken. The other cards I like that are in a similar vein are, um, and I'm sorry, but I do play Armageddon in this deck. That's all right. Because in our, in this deck, it's a game winner. Yeah. Because if you get your board set up, you have Nekusar out, another way that deals damage, and a bunch of stuff that's making them draw cards, and you hit and you play Armageddon, now they just are forced to hold all their cards. They can't actually play Yeah, anything. that's
0: the big one. It's you, you make them keep their big hand size.
1: Yeah, and they're just sitting there and taking damage every turn, and they can't play anything else, and yeah. everyone's just going to die. Um, Sunder and Evacuation. Sunder returns all lands to owner's hand. Evacuation returns all creatures to owner's hand. They're Mm -hmm. both instants. They are both game enders. Not to mention,
0: they're also just great against, like, f- f- evacuation's amazing, against token decks. Yeah. You know, so it's it gives you protection as well as win condition.
1: Yeah, it's a versatility. If you're not using yeah. it to win, you use it to live long enough so you maybe can win later.
0: Yeah, exactly. And also, when people, I think when people figure out, or they play this deck enough times they know what's about to happen, they'll be like, okay, we need to target them first. And that's when you be, you have to be like, well, I have to cast an Armageddon. Yeah. get in. I have to wipe the board. I have to do something. Otherwise, the amount of hate that's going to get piled on me is just going to be too much. In the I won't game. be able
1: to take I won't it. be able to take it, yeah. And that's why you ultimately want white mm-hmm. is because you want things like Fated Retribution. You want things like Supreme Verdict. Yeah. These are board wipes. Supreme Verdict is one of the most powerful board wipes ever because ever it made. cannot yeah. be uh, countered. Counter, yeah. Yeah, and there's, um, yeah, that's a good one.
0: And there's Merciless Eviction, which you get, unless you choose artifacts, creatures, permanents, or enchantments, or planeswalkers, and you get to exile all of them. Yep.
1: So that's really the reason that you even went into this another color is because you want a lot of board wipes. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is everyone's hands are just constantly full. They're drawing tons of cards. They're going to play those cards out on the table and you're playing more cards that make them draw more cards. Yeah. So you need like those single cards that just reset the table. Toxic Deluge and of course all the white Wraths and stuff. Damnation. Damnation, yeah. Yeah. You really don't want things like Naviniral's Disc because you don't want to blow away your own artifacts and enchantments Mm -hmm. like your artifacts and enchantments you want to stay and you want creatures to go yeah yeah so yeah that's the reason you really or lands (laughs) yeah you you, and lands you can like i said you you don't mind if all the lands go away because that actually stops people from playing cards yeah and that's while
0: your enchantments and everything are still
1: triggering which is totally fine yeah exactly so yeah um okay let's talk about some cards you may not think of in the deck uh First one up is uh, Erebos, God of the Dead,
0: three in the black for an indestructible god, 5-7. And as long as your devotion in black is
1: less than five, he's not a creature. Uh, but the big one is your opponents can't gain life. Yes, super important, because the deck has sort of a certain amount of damage it can do. Yeah. It can do it all at once to everybody, but it's really hard for it to do, say, 100 damage. Yeah, Exactly. It's easy. For, it's not easy, but it's possible for it to do fifty damage to everybody all at once. But if if anybody is sitting there and gained a bunch of life, yeah, like has can, a turn one Sarah Ascendant or whatever, now they're at eighty. Yeah, and, that can be a real problem for this deck. Is like, oh, crap, that guy's at 80. I'm probably not going to be able to, to do 80 damage. Right, and by I the think, time
0: I spend all my
1: mana doing, exhausting all my tricks to kill everyone else, they're still going to be standing. They'll be there at 30, and then I'm kind of maybe done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Erebos is a good one. You know, if you see somebody gaining life, you need to tutor up Erebos, get it mm-hmm. out of the table. It's really hard to get rid of, and all it just at least keeps everybody at a life total that yeah. is within reach of you killing. Um, another one is Exploration exploration is one green for an enchantment and says you may play an additional land on each of your turns it's actually was recently reprinted in um conspiracy it's It's not a great great, yeah in edh i I don't love it because if you don't get it in your first like opening hand it doesn't
0: really do anything yeah because by by the time you get to like turn five or six you're going to have all your lands played out
1: or you're just going to draw one you don't need to play two yeah exactly but the thing is you're gonna be drawing four, five, six cards per turn with this deck yep and so you being able to play two lands on each of your turns and everybody else is just playing one Mm -hmm. you're gonna be so far ahead you know in a couple of turns that you're really gonna be able to pull off something before they can and you need to you're in this race everyone's hitting all their land drops they're drawing tons of cards you need to kill everybody before they find their like really important pieces especially when
0: you have cards like fork and wheel of fortune that like if your win con is three red cards you're gonna have to make sure that you hit your red land drops correct so that's also very important. And
1: something, yeah, I was leaving for later, but we should talk about now is mana base is super important. And I think yeah. this is really timely talking about this deck right now because Cons of Tarkir just came out. And one of the great things Cons did was it gave us a whole ton of new lands.
0: Yeah, so many different tap lands for different colors. and Yeah, all there's this, the, the, the wedge lands. lands, there's the life
1: lands, there's all the fetch
0: lands. Mm-hmm. There's, and there's and then the banners M- and everything.
1: Yep, and then M15 had the pain lands. So just in the last two sets, so they're going to be really accessible, really easy to get. They're going to be the cheapest they're ever going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that's like twenty five different lands for this deck. Yep. You know, and you're using all five colors, so you need you know lands that tap for every single color. Now the 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 deck is really light on green. Green only has a few cards. You want exploration, regrowth, eternal witness. You know, there's not a lot, but mana base is super important. Don't skimp on your mana base and you have to really be careful how you craft it. You have to look at your cards and say, oh, I have more white cards and blue cards than anything else. Yeah, really count it out. Yeah, it's 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 a really fine tuning the mana base is important but once yeah. you get it right, you I rarely have mana troubles with this deck. Yeah, Almost especially because
0: you're also drawing stuff and yeah. you just are consistent enough with your land drops. Not to mention, if you get an exploration out then you're not punished for really putting out uh, tap lands as much. Correct. Because you get to have, it's like, well, like, I wouldn't have had
1: this land out anyway so great. And again, no. you have all the tutors, so mm-hmm. you can go find exploration early. You can demonic tutor for yeah. it, diabolic tutor. Yeah, for not it, to mention Viking all the tutor. all the shocklands are also at the
0: cheapest they'll ever be. Yeah. You know, so like there's there's lots of great the ways temples from um, the temples. Yeah,
1: they're all really recent. They're they're not super expensive. You yeah, know, you probably just, have a just few. Just cycled out. Yeah, like yeah. and if you've been collecting over just the last couple of years, even the guild gates are fine. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll do in a pinch. I mean, you'd rather have old school dual lands. Which I happen to have, but you don't need them. you, yeah. you can do them.
0: Considering you can only run one of each anyway, yeah.
1: it's you're you know it's nice that there are so many varied options
0: to get all the fixing you need right now. And uh, to be honest, like Wizards did a really smart thing. They printed yeah. M15 super accessible and also cons, which just like is gonna be the most open set in the history because they have all this accessible mana to everyone that wants to jump into any format. Now they
1: have the option to cheaply fix their mana and make sure they have a solid mana base. So good job, guys. So let's talk about some trap cards, some cards that seem like they're good, but maybe not. Um, a, f- a really famous one is Black Vice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Black Vice is uh, another like alpha card. It's um, one mana for an artifact, and it's during each player's uh, upkeep, they take damage for every card they have over four. So if they have seven, they'll take three damage. Six, they'll take two. Five, they'll Seems take good. one. Seems good. Problem is, it does so little damage, and it doesn't really have the opportunity to do more than three damage. Three is the maximum it can really do. I mean, right. you're going to have these fringe cases where you where they have Reliquary Tower, or you have Price of Knowledge out. But if you have Price of Knowledge out, we talked about earlier, you, they're dead really soon. Mm-hmm. So you don't need Black Vice. Um Another one is... Iron Maiden. Uh-huh. Um, not the band. <laughs> uh, the torture device, uh, which is
0: essentially the same thing as Black Vice, which is during each of your opponent's upkeeps, Iron Man deals one damage to that player for each card more than four in his or her hand. So it's, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. Again, it'd it be just... awesome if it was during each opponent's upkeep. Each of your opponents get a damage dealt to them. Yes, but, then it would be awesome. Yeah, but like just three is not. I mean, you're trying to tw- you're trying to fork out something that deals forty. You know, right. This
1: is going to do a maximum of three. Yeah, and it's yeah. more
0: of an annoyance, and I think it makes sense that in your deck you'd rather have a card that is more effective or doesn't draw as much hate. Right. Because
1: that's the really big thing about the sick, Again, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, is controlling the amount of hate coming at you. Um, another card that seems good is, is called something. There's there's cards like this, like Storm Seeker. Mm-hmm. It was in Legends. Uh, it's three in a green, and it says uh, do damage to target opponent for each card in their hand, equal to the number of cards in their hand. So again, it seems awesome, but it's going to do 7 damage. In rare cases, it'll do 10, 12 damage. It's just still not enough, only to one of your opponents. Yeah. Yeah, it it is related to what you're doing. It's just not doing enough to really warn a spot in the deck. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about... How to destroy this deck. Yes, this deck is pretty fragile. I'm not going to lie. It's not... It's not like Gaddock Teague or something where you're going to bring it to a tournament and win. It's super fun in a multiplayer format, and you can win games, you know, with four, five, six players in them. And um, and people won't hate you if you build this deck right and play it right because you're allowing them to play their deck. They're drawing a ton of cards, yeah. you know. They're getting to they're getting to do stuff. You know, you're going to have a couple counter spells. You're in blue and stuff, but you're not going to play total control. You're mostly just yeah. saying you're you're kind of supposed to just make sure your fork goes off. You yeah. Know? You're mostly just saying, okay, everybody, draw a gajillion cards, and if either you kill me or I'll kill you. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to, like, play a bunch of games (laughs) about, like, I'm going to wipe the board a bunch and try and slow you down, but besides that, like, you're going to have a chance. You're kind of playing the Wheel of
0: Fortune game yeah. in itself. You're like, all right, well, I'm going to draw a bunch too. We're all going to draw a bunch. Hopefully, I can
1: draw into my win conditions before you can draw into yours. Yep. And here we go. Here we go. Unsold and your dice. deck is built to take advantage of certain things that they're yeah. not with, like, exploration and stuff. But still, like, yeah. So, just know that going in. So, good ways to fight this deck. Um, ramp ramp is really important to fight the deck because you're going to draw so many cards you're really only hampered by how much mana you have available and how much you can play out of your hand as well yeah so the one land per turn really holds you back Mm -hmm. because you're gonna you know your opponents are gonna be holding a lot of cards and they're gonna be able to basically play only the amount that they have mana for Mm -hmm. you know and so any like a, a green ramp deck will just will kill because they'll have so much mana in play and what's the problem with the ramp deck in general you get these hands where you draw all ramp and no things to play to with. To play ramp. with, yeah, yeah, that doesn't happen against this deck. You're yeah. drawing so many cards, you're always going to draw like some of your huge creatures. Yeah, and, every yeah. deck becomes
0: max consistency essentially, yeah. and so the ones that can take the most advantage of it by playing out like, great, I have all this mana to play a soaring that turns into, uh, you know, what to action man a Thran Dynamo into this into this, into this. and this. It's like great, now your whole hand's out. You have all the mana producers and you have less cards in your hand, so you're not punished as much. And now when I'm, I'm
1: drawing deck. four cards, I actually have the mana to play all four. Of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's a big thing. Um, <laughs> I just wrote a single card, Spirit of the Labyrinth. Yep, players can't draw more than one
0: card each turn. Two drop. It's a one-one enchantment creature spirit from Journeying. Oh, Born of the Gods.
1: Yeah, it just puts that the brakes on the whole thing. Yeah, you do have answers to this. We'll talk about it later, but yeah, yeah. Um, persistent threats are a problem. So threats that come back, they mm-hmm. don't. They're hard to kill, or when you know things like Kitchen Finks. Stuff that just, like, bounces back when it dies. Yeah, or
0: stuff that puts you, like, on a two-turn timer, like Sigarda yeah. all Voltroned out, and it's like, all right, you have two turns to block and not die from this. Otherwise, that commander damage is just going to end your life. Or infect, you know... The thing
1: about something like Sigarda is you do have a lot of tutors, and you have a ton of board wipes, mm-hmm. and you can go find the one you need. You can go find Toxic Deluge or yeah. something that gets around Indestructible or Hexproof or whatever. So, you know, one creature, one voltron creature is not too much of a problem because you can usually go find your answer, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then infinite combos, so that's just I think infinite combos wins against most decks. Yeah, but the thing is, in most decks, like they're like let's say they're playing Niv Mizzet, they have to draw that Affinity and I, right? You know, they have to draw. You know, there's two, there's a couple cards that pair up with them, but there's only a couple cards, right? So you yeah. have to draw a Tutor to go find one of those cards or the card itself. But when you're drawing five, six, seven cards a turn, your chances of drawing that combo piece or both combo pieces is just so much increased that, yeah. you know, there's a chance that they get their infinite combo. You know, there's a pretty good chance they get it. It's just, you know, can somebody or yourself stop it or do you kill everybody before, you know, that? Yeah. Well, I think Niv-Mizzet kind of, kind of hurts themselves. Niv-Mizzet does too. hurt themselves. Um, actually the, Niv-Mizzet was a bad example because if they do that combo, they'll probably kill themselves. In res- yeah. In result if is somebody else, yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. Um, We talked about life gain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is one of the rare decks where life gain is actually really good against it. Really
0: good against it specifically, yeah. yeah. I also think um, enchantment and artifact removal. Yeah. Specifically being able to Uh, get rid of your big things that are like, as soon as they can recognize that like, or just lots of counters, you know, like knowing like, okay, I know that if I don't do anything, these two cards in combo with just one other in his hand would mean the end of the game for everyone. So like you have to, you know, you have to like because this deck puts it out on the table you know right. it says like this is what's happening these are the cards it says it right on them you're gonna get hurt if you by this play it
1: right though i don't think counters are gonna be a super great answer because you're, right you've got redundancy and you're gonna draw a lot of redundancy unless somebody's got a pure counter deck where they're just sitting there and playing nothing but mm-hmm. they can't afford to do that because other players will attack them yeah yeah so so let's talk about how to counter their counters there's something i want to talk about about this deck really quick which is card advantage Card advantage we've talked about before, it's complicated in EDH. That's why we, we we don't really advocate a lot of single target removal. A little bit, but not a lot. Because killing one thing for one of your cards is actually puts you at card disadvantage to the rest of the table. Yeah. Like I kill one of Jimmy's things, but Craig and Alex are sitting on either side and they didn't lose anything, so yep. they're both up cards on us. Yeah. thing is, in this deck, card advantage just doesn't matter. Yeah, Like, it's weird, but it doesn't. Because when you're everyone's drawing six or seven cards... You're going to refill your hand anyway. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're just never going to be ahead enough or behind enough on card advantage for it to matter. Card advantage yeah. matters in a long game where eventually, like, having two extra cards and they have zero, and you're going to win with those two cards. But when everybody's drawing six cards a turn, you're never going to get to that point. Yeah, you really just don't have to
0: worry about being... And that's why this deck has cards that are just 1v1 one, one
1: target removals, like Vindicate, Mortify... Cross and grip, uh, utter end from the yeah. new cons. I would definitely put in there. Yeah, uh, you know, you don't really want path to exile in a weird way because you don't want to ramp them. Yeah, um, but and you don't really want swords to plowshares because you don't want to give them life. You don't want to give them life at yeah, all. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You can put those cards in because they are still strong, but you know, you, you in a in a weird way you want other single target yeah. removal, but you can have quite a bit of it because you don't care about card disadvantage. It just trust me, it will not matter. Yeah. And if and if everybody's not drawing a lot of cards, you're not going to win anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing like this deck has a lot of redundancy, which is great. Like you can boil it down to like six categories of cards and they all help it accomplish its goals without mm-hmm. necessarily having its actual commander
1: Nekusar out. Right. Um and then the last thing and and we don't talk about this enough and I think it's 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 applicable for a lot of different decks, but the last thing is knowing the your opponent's decks. Yeah. So it's really important because infinite combos are are something that are really in play against this deck because they're drawing they're just seeing so much of their uh, library that yeah they have a, a much good chance better to chance to draw into it yeah exactly so knowing what are pieces to the combos they're trying to put together and being able to use your single target removal to get rid of key pieces mm-hmm. is really important so knowing their play group and you know what their decks are and and how they're going to try and beat you and what those combos are can really like oh I need to kill that yeah. And I, later I can board wipe that other stuff, but that thing can't sit out there for a full turn or we die. Yeah. Pretty effective. Yeah, it's a super fun deck. That's the thing about this deck. If you build it right, see, a lot of people build Nekusar, and it's like a everybody hates me type deck, yeah, which is one way you can build it. I just don't think you're going to win as much in the long term that yeah, way. Yeah, and
0: I think hiding the commander in the actual deck is brilliant
1: because it's like
0: people don't – I mean, that's the politics of this deck is as soon as people start drawing cards, it is such a positive benefit to yes. them that they don't want it to stop. And when you start doing negligible damage to them, it's sometimes even the joy of just drawing so many cards is more than enough for them to be like, that's fine, you're not a threat, you're just giving me cards. I'm sure you're gonna do something combo off eventually, but I don't think it's gonna kill me. But, you know,
1: you do have the pieces to kill them in one turn. Yeah, that and that is the key, that what you just said there, is like, is really, really um, controlling the amount of anger that you cause by the little things you do, and then suddenly, boom, kill everybody. So, yeah, yeah. making people draw cards is amazing. If you put... A, a howling Mind and a of Mythos out, and everybody's drawing four cards a turn. They're, they're like stoked. Over- yeah, they're happy. Exactly. This is like this is the best. And then if they're looking around and they're like, "Well, who can I attack? That guy's making me draw cards. I don't really want him out of the game right now." Yeah, I can want to keep drawing cards. Yep. So a lot of times that'll make people not attack you in a funny way. But if Nekusar's is your commander and they see that, oh yeah, then they'll, they'll they'll kill you
0: because they see the clear goal of the deck yes. is draw cards, make them take damage. He's gonna have a way to
1: amplify that and murder me because of it. Right. And this even works once they've played against your deck. It's funny. You'd think they'd be like, well, I know. That. That's
0: true. That's actually very true.
1: Yeah, but but they don't know if you have it in your hand. They don't mm-hmm. know when you're going to have it. And and it's very easy to create this thing in your mind to justify it. Well, like, eh, I can deal with him when he puts Nekusar out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so your goal is to make everybody draw cards. Get the card draw going. Everyone draw five, six cards a turn. And then you play something small, like your Underworld Dreams. Mm-hmm. Or you try and sneak out one one piece and you make that around the table, and then you go, boom, and you play out one of your big plays and try and kill everybody on the very next turn. So yeah. if you play Underworld Dreams and everybody takes five damage for drawing five cards, they're probably gonna be fine with it. Yeah. you know It's five damage. It's still damage. negligible at that point, point. Yeah, and they got five cards. Yeah, and it's a little annoying, but. If I had a card that says, pay one life, draw one card, I would play it in every color deck I could. Exactly, but on the next turn you play Nekusar, and then you fork a Wheel of Fortune, and everybody dies, yeah. and it's like, but if you only had one damage dealer out, it wouldn't work. Yep. So you had to sneak one out ahead of time, you know, and you're not. It's not realistic to have 19 mana in play. Yeah. So that's that's the that's sort of the art of it is like when you make that big play, sort of sensing when you have it and when they're not going to be ready for it. Now, how do you defend against people that are like,
0: well, I know what's going to happen. Let's just swing out at Josh. We're still going to draw cards because it might take us a couple turns to kill him, or maybe I can kill him before everyone else gets to benefit from the drawing of the cards. Right. So what do you do against that?
1: Well, your board wipes are your biggest thing. Yeah. You know, they're going to take care of most decks. There's some decks, though, Jaleva, stuff that's like spell based. Yeah. You're going to have a real care. tough time against. Again, if you see Jaleva or you see a spell based deck, you need to tutor for your counter spells. Yeah. And that's how you're going to try and keep them at bay. Just stop them. Just delay them. Because
0: really, at this sec, I feel like you just need one to two extra turns if you really need it, and that that is enough to be able to take over the game.
1: It's a really good point, because you need to sort of retune your brain. You're not worried about card advantage, like I said. Yeah. So you can play cards, and all it did was buy you time. It didn't actually destroy anything. It didn't actually, you know it didn't get you card advantage at all. Card advantage does not matter. You don't yeah. get to say that very often, but in this deck, it really doesn't. So you can play things that are card disadvantage, but they're tempo advantage. Mm-hmm. So they just stall out the game a little bit. You know, cards that, you know. Well, that's why I think board
0: webs are the best tempo generator yeah. in magic, especially multiplayer, because you get to clear everything out, and it takes so long for everyone to get stuff out. that has something sickness. It gives you more than a single turn sometimes, just yes. for you to reestablish your board.
1: Yeah, totally. So, and that's sort of how it plays out. Um, and like I said, the the great thing about this is like I I still get it. Like I've won games, plenty of games with this deck. But when yeah. you, we pull out Chromat, people go, Oh Chromat! They're excited. They know the game's going to be fun. They're going to draw a lot of cards. They're going to see a lot of their deck. They're going to get to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. it's almost like a
0: an, a a race. Everyone knows that when you pull out Chromat, I'm like, Sweet! I'm going to definitely not be mana screwed. I'm going to definitely not be this or that. Like, right. I I will be fine. I'm going to be unhappy if I draw a card like Consecrated sphinx, right? Which normally <laughs> would have me overjoyed, but
1: like now I'm just like ah, not It doesn't fun. matter because I'll just discard that. Yeah, card exactly. Turn and, it and hopefully play. have yeah. something better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is a super fun deck. Uh, that's how I like to play it. It's not definitely not the old way. There are ways to play Necrosar where you're really oppressive and you mm-hmm. slow the game down a lot. Yeah, and you know you make everybody at the table hate you, and you know that's fine. That's a totally fine way to play it. That's just not how I chose to play it. Um, mm. you know I, I like to play it in a manner that like. I still have a good chance to win. I don't win every game, but I have a good chance and people like the deck. They really like playing against it. In fact... I don't think I have another deck where when I pull out the commander, people actually like sort jump, of smile, A little jump for joy. Yeah, they yeah. smile
0: and they're like, "Oh, sweet, this is gonna be fun." Well, I know when you pull out like a Joyra deck, I'm like, "Well, there goes the joy from this game." <laughs> it's funny that
1: she's named Joyra. I know, It exudes
0: no There's joy no for joy. anyone. Yeah, no joy for anyone else. But yeah, Krema always does have that, and even people that I <laughs> we play with people that have never seen it before, I'm like, "Oh, this deck's fun. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Like, it'll be okay." So, <laughs> I think that's the general disposition that people have against this deck because I think. Commander's is all about getting those big things happening on your yeah. side of the table and this deck challenges everyone to do that before it can kill you yeah so it's you're like almost, hey what can your deck do i want to see it yeah i want to see it and then i'm going to try and destroy you before you can use it to win
1: ultimately which is great and you, you know those games where you had a lot of fun and you didn't win but you were like man if i just had one more turn yeah exactly every game with chromat everyone says that yeah <laughs> because you have so many cards you've Played mm-hmm. your mana every turn, and almost every time at the end of the game, whoever, n- no matter who won, everybody else is going, man, if I just had one, one more, more turn. turn. Yeah, and the person that plays Chromat is like,
0: exactly, and that's <laughs> why you didn't have one more turn. Yeah, so it's nice. You get to play Dungeon Master a little bit. You get to choose when, and you need to actually choose correctly as to when is the correct turn
1: to try and end things. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, that's that's sort of the key, and, and as you play the deck more, you'll sort of learn those points. Yeah. And, and it's reading people, it's reading like, you right. know, you really have to read, like, oh, it looks like that guy's about to win. He, uh-huh. he, he, you know, it's like when we play with Craig and we always laugh about how Craig will have this like crazy smile on his face. And I know that I'm about to hit, get hit for like 12 poison counters and yeah, die. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I eyeball Craig and it's like, uh oh, he's starting to get that half grin. Like, time to. I better try and kill everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the nice thing is, is like, even if you are not able to kill everyone, let's say someone that has had some marginal life gain and you get them down to like three, four life or whatever it just is a matter of time because they can't control the fact that they are going to have to draw cards. Mm-hmm. It's not like something that they can choose, like, well, I'll just block you this time. It's like, right. no, no, no. You're still going to draw those cards. You're still going to take that damage. Fun deck. I love this Fun deck. deck. Yeah, nice. I like it a lot too. I think it's a really fun, unconventional uh, way to play a general that's hidden inside the deck. In fact, I'd love to see other brews that use Chromat as the commander and just to simply take the best cards from other colors and make their general inside the deck but still have the deck function without them.
1: Well, you know, and Chromat or, or Wuburg-type generals, like, there's so many ways to build five-color decks. You have access to literally every single yeah. card in the history of Magic, and it's really daunting and really hard to build those decks, and a lot of times those decks turn out to be just a hodgepodge of good stuff, which can be an awesome deck. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily the most fun deck, but it can be awesome. And what what this does is allows you to give focus. Yeah. And this isn't the only way to build Chromat. Obviously, there's a million ways. You know, it's just... I think if you're going to build a five color deck, it's probably advantageous to pick a direction and go hard in that direction. This one yeah. just has to be card happens to be card draw and 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 making people take damage for drawing cards. But you could go in a million ways. Mm. So building a Wuburg, uh commander deck is totally viable because we got all these new dual lands from Cons oh, yeah. and all kinds of stuff and, and affordable and, at this point. Yeah, and it's great. totally fun. But yeah, that would be my advice to anybody doing that. Is like. Pick a theme, pick a direction, and go that way. Because otherwise, it's yeah. going to be so daunting to build a deck that's just like, hey, you can use any card in the history of magic. Yeah, go for it. Yeah.
0: would say, like, the more colors you have, the more focus you need to have to make your deck work. Because the less focus you have, yeah. and the more you're just like, good stuff, the that's more you'll say. find, you know, that, like, oh, I put too many green cards in here. And, the the I, but I really want to be playing like red blue instead or whatever. So like the what you did here was great, where you really focused on f- three to four and then splash the last one along a little bit, mm-hmm. so it doesn't screw you over if you don't draw into the right mana base. But you're going to draw cards anyway, so it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I never have mana problems with the deck. I never ever. Yeah, you in fact, draw, I, you draw too many cards. It's not. Yeah, I think that's actually
0: the best one of the best combos for a deck like this, which is getting cards that help you draw, and you're going to hit the land drops you need.
1: Okay, so that is Nekusar
0: done the command zone way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A good way to do it. In fact, this makes me
1: excited to brew more decks. Yeah. It's just you don't see that very often. I actually have a couple decks that way that are that are not based on the commander. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's so if, if you've built a lot of commander decks and they're all based on their general, I would I would challenge you to build a deck where they're not based on the general. They're yeah. based on a mechanic, you know, and the general just allows you some colors to use. The, the, yeah, the,
0: Or that is the mechanic of the general, but Let's just say like your generals in permanent exile. Does your deck still function without him?
1: Yeah. Her? And it, it's funny because in a lot of ways your deck is more powerful when it doesn't need its general because a lot of decks are built to combat generals. But there's not very many decks that are built to combat not a general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's that's pretty important. Okay, so one last reminder. We got cool stuff to give out. Prizes, guys.
0: Free prizes. Big money,
1: big prizes. That's
0: right. I'm going to be getting a, a Cons of Tarkir box, and I'm definitely going to be handing out some boosters that way. I already gave away a couple of M15 boosters on the stream. Uh, just put them in an envelope and shipped them away. So if you guys crack a foil Nissa, I
1: hate you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. If you crack a foil Nissa, that's awesome. Just, it is you know, awesome. Tweet it back at us so yeah, we can exactly. brag about it. It's, and then you know, get give hopefully somebody... more
0: people to follow us. Yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah, we'll be giving away tons
0: of stuff on Twitter in the next few weeks. And just, I guess, over the general course of time, yeah. you know, we, we've always got, we, you know, we're doing a podcast. We occasionally get some swag. Sometimes we just
1: have excess product just from being well, the nice attics. thing is, Wizards has taken notice and they've provided us with some yes, stuff, so we're going to pass it along. You know, that's, yeah. that's what it's for. So, yeah. yeah, so definitely follow us on Twitter, email us. Um, comment section is probably going to be in play also. Twitter is mm-hmm. going to be the main way, though. Follow- yeah,
0: that's how we'll communicate how we're doing the giveaways or what the giveaway will be.
1: So, again, it's at Commandcast, at Josh Fleekwai, and at JF Wong. And Abby is about to announce that again Yeah, at the end of this podcast with cool music.
0: Yeah, that's right. And don't forget, there is video. There's always video, so you can watch the beautiful backgrounds passing with the cards coming up, and you get to see the art and everything. Rocketjump.com, it's all there. Yeah, our uh, shout out to our editor, Eli, who does a great job with the videos. And um, Thanks, Eli. Yeah, good work. All right, guys. Well, that is it for this week's episode. As always, if you have commander suggestions, send us a comment, post a comment, send us a tweet, all that good stuff, and we will uh, we'll listen to what you have to say, of course. But until then... Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, and hope you guys play a lot of Karns of Park here. Peace.
1: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com.
0: Or ask us on Twitter at J.F. Wong and at Josh Lee
1: Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs)